<laughs> I, I had never seen Blazing Saddles and I had never I seen Caddyshack. And a friend of mine, uh, every Friday I go out for, uh, for a beer at this German beer house in, in Redwood City with a couple of my friends. So they were sitting down making references to these movies. And I said, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, it's Caddyshack and it's Blazing Saddles. <laughs> I said, yeah, never, never seen them. And they were so upset. They said, ah, you Canadians, you don't know anything. He said, we're coming over tomorrow and we're going to watch. And we, they did. They came over. We grilled up some, some uh, food and sat down and watched both of the movies. And they would never be able to make Blazing Saddles today. Never. No. Well, I, I was stunned by it. You know, by pure coincidence, unplanned, I, I got a new T-shirt this summer, a new novelty T-shirt. It's, uh, it's, it's. Uh, you ever heard of Callaway Golf? It's like yeah. a, you know, so it's it's like a written in the font and the logo like Callaway Golf, but instead of saying Callaway, it says Gunga Galunga, <laughs> <laughs> which of course is is what the Dalai Lama <laughs> told Carl, the groundskeeper, after. Stiffing them on it. You know, you get total enlightenment. So I've got that going for me. Well, you do have that going for you. Yeah, amazing, amazing movies. Uh, The other one you probably haven't seen is The Producers. Have you seen The Producers? I have not. So that's Mel Brooks's. Uh, I forget. I think it was made in like 1967. It was on Broadway. Then it came back on Broadway. Anyway, I was watching uh, Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And Matthew Broderick was his guest. And Matthew Broderick starred on the, I forget if it was 10 years ago or when they went back on Broadway, um, starred in it. And they were talking about how that movie could never be made again uh, now. So the the basic gist is, uh, it's been a while since I saw it, but basically there's two producers uh, uh, on Broadway who want to make a failure. And so they, they, I forget why, but they have some kind of financial incentive to, to make a bomb. And so they make them, they make them, and they make a musical about Nazi Germany. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it turns in, it accidentally turns into a hit. And so it's basically a comedy about Hitler that they made in, like Seinfeld said, like, it, that was only like 20 years after the end of World War II, and they're they're making a comedy about Hitler. Like that would be like today, roughly making a comedy about 9/11. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not quite 20 years since 9/11, but you know, it's in the ballpark. Like a comedy about 9/11 would not fly today. It just wouldn't. Would not fly. Right. And whereas people just had a sort of a stiffer backbone back then, and they could they could take a joke. Well, I mean, these were some pretty harsh jokes. Yeah, if, if you movie. like Blazing Saddles, if you like Blazing Saddles, I'm telling you right now, you should you should like load up on Mel Brooks movies. But I totally recommend the the produce uh, the producers. Okay, uh, I think the movie version has uh, it's somewhat. Re- I don't know. Just 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 rent it. You're gonna love it. These, these guys were were literally they were they were saying the lines as the people were saying the lines in the movie, and and then just. Like almost falling off the coach, they were laughing so hard. And, you know, I'm hearing them for the first time. So I was laughing, but not like they were. Yeah. So I find it so. I don't, I find I don't it's, understand people that, that talk in, in movie lingo anyway. <laughs> I find it so hard to believe you never saw Caddyshack of all movies. Caddyshack. Never saw it. I can't believe it. 
Anyway, uh, Jim, it's good to talk to you again. I guess you haven't been on my show in a while. I know I was on your show at, uh, at WWDC. Good to talk yeah, to you that, again. That how's, your, fun. how's your summer going? Summer is going very well. It's been uh, it's been pretty quiet, to be honest, uh, but I kind of like that. I, I took some uh, time. Uh, so a friend of mine <clears throat> has a cabin. I put that in air quotes in uh, in in Tahoe. Okay. And, uh, so he invited me up and said, "Do you want to come to my cabin?" And I thought, Geez, "Okay, I'll, you know, I'm going to sleep on the floor. You know, you don't yeah, want to ask." Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so I said, "Okay, fine. You know, let's go." And then I found out that he invited like ten other guys from the bar that we all go to. Right. And I thought, "Wow. I mean." what the hell is going on? So oh, we all hop, you know, we several different cars. We all hop in cars and we what, go what up is for that? like, that's about, that's about a three hour drive as I recall. Uh, yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but you know, we all hopped in cars and you know, we had this convoy going up to his quote unquote cabin. So I arrived to this mansion <laughs> and you know, it's on the water on Lake Tahoe, this gigantic house and here I was worried about, you know, gourmet kitchen, you know, yeah. all of this kind of stuff. So, and then he had just bought a new boat. So we went out, you know, wake surfing and I didn't, but uh, they <laughs> they did. I sat at the back of the boat to give them lots of weight on the back. Yeah. <laughs> so that they had better, better uh, waves back there. <laughs> and then slow, slowly but surely reduce the weight as you, as yeah. you went. <laughs> It was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But actually, I, now I, that I think about it, as you empty as you empty Heineken's, you're not really reducing the weight. You're just transferring the weight from the bottles. To yeah. Your, well, we had, we had lots of Heineken on there too. So to your bladder. everybody, everybody had a good laugh at the yeah. look on my face when yeah. we arrived on their house. Because of course they all knew because they had been there before. Yeah. Uh, but they had a good good laugh at me. Uh, Worried that you, you were going to be sleeping on uh, uh, splintered boards. Right. Yeah. No, it wasn't like that at all. Everybody had a room and it was, yeah, it, it was nice. I've been to Tahoe. How was your summer? Uh, good. Good. That's all I'll say. Okay. <laughs> it's been fine. Right. Uh, Jonas is still here. Jonas's school doesn't start up till after Labor Day. I don't get it. I know that all around the country, it, it's like his school is obviously an aberration. It's like a lot of kids are back in school already. Yeah. I don't get that. I, 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 call me a traditionalist. I don't think school should start till after Labor Day. And I don't get it either because these schools, like my sister's kids started school last week. And they still they don't get out till June anyway. They still don't get out till June. So I don't even understand it. We always started in in Canada. We always started after Labor Day. Yeah, after Labor Day. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't get it. I'm against it. If uh, if I were running for president, that would be one of my campaign points. <laughs> no school till after Labor uh, Day. I, I I agree with you. Tuesday after Labor, Labor Day. I, you wait till Labor Day, and then the next day you go back to school. Right. Boom. And and then you have a, a holiday uh, short week. This shit going into school in August. That's that. That's nonsense. Anyway. Well, if they were going to do something like that, I could see that in the um, uh, the East Coast where there's snow and you have snow days and uh, you have to make up for some of that. Not, but they do that in California. They go exactly. What kind of days do they have? I don't they get don't it. Snow days. I don't get it. Although you would think it by looking at the way that 
people dress in California. I mean, I walk outside here and people are in big winter coats and hats and mitts and I'm in a t-shirt. We go to Disney, you know, a couple times a year and we've already, we've gone in December down in Orlando. uh, And it's comical because uh, uh, you go in December, maybe, I think we've gone in January too. You know, it's a bit in the winter and they have like all the Christmas decorations up. It looks real nice. And it, you know, it gets down to like, the fifties at night and you know, it's like sixties in the daytime. Uh, and we're like luxuriating. We're like a break from, you know, the East coast <laughs> and we're like wearing shorts, you know, maybe you have like a hoodie on or something, but I'm wearing shorts and you get there and there's like the, the employees who are, you live there year round. They've got like parkas on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they're, they're trying to put you inside by a fire. No, I want to sit outside. Yeah, they've know? got like a parka, and they're like rubbing their arms. It's like you, you can't take, you know, like once you once you go to a good climate, you lose it. Your your blood loses its ability to 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 take the fifties. It's true. Do you ever hear of a place called Snap Kitchen, Jim? No, I don't know how widespread or how national. It's a chain. We've got one here here in Philadelphia. I'm I'm in love with the place. So what you do is you go into Snap Kitchen. This is not a sponsor. I'm I'm just doing this uh, uh, just as, as a testimonial. So you go into Snap Kitchen, and uh, they've got like pre-made meals, but they're not frozen. They're just like refrigerated. So you gotta you gotta cook them up, you know, within like two or three days. But they tell you exactly how many calories are in them. So I think it's popular with people who are like calorie counting. Like they'll tell you it's exactly you know three hundred ninety calories or something like that. But it's really good. And I have fallen in love. I'm not a big breakfast eater. Are you a breakfast eater? Not so. I mean, I more coffee for me. I yeah, just, me too. I have a coffee and but I like on. I like something. And they've got this thing. I have fallen in love with. They call them uh, red pepper egg bites. Two little egg. Two little uh, almost like I, I don't know. I guess they put them in like little almost like a. They must cook them in like a little uh, like a cupcake type thing. You know, are they like hard boiled eggs? Yeah, or no, no, eggs no. Or? They're two little puffs about the size of a golf ball each. Speaking of Caddyshack, two little things about the size of a golf ball. The only there's only three ingredients: eggs, red peppers, and onions. Uh, sort of like a scrambled egg with red peppers and onions. Uh, two of them, ninety calories. So it's not a lot of food. But this, that's like my breakfast. Like I eat ninety calories and I'm full. Put them in the microwave for thirty seconds. They're perfect. They're nice and hot. They taste like something that was just freshly cooked. I am addicted to these things. I love this place. It's And they have all sorts of other food, like all sorts of meals throughout the day. But, man, I love the place. Snap huh. Kitchen. Red devil egg. Red pepper eggs. Red, no, what do they call no. them? I just I had it. Red pepper eggs. I don't know. Anyway, anybody out there has a uh, Snap Kitchen nearby, I recommend you go in there and try it and just look around. Snap so these are, these are chefs that just cook up, you order different meals no, or do they no, just send you stuff? No, they're all pre-made. You walk in and, and they're all on shelves, you know what I mean? Like, so oh, it's all wow. pre-packaged, like in a little uh, cardboard container, you know, with like a thing on top. It's all, you know, <laughs> not chefs. It's, but it, you know, it's, I've never really seen anything like it. It's not really a grocery store because they don't really have other things. It's actually pretty small square footage, but it's just all of these pre-made meals. But they're not huh. frozen, you know. It's you know the sort of stuff you would expect to be frozen, but instead of being frozen, it's all relatively fresh, and therefore you have to you know and and you know everything has a little sticker on it like you know eat this by uh, August twenty seventh or whatever the hell the date will be. 
But anyway, these red pepper egg bites, amazing. They have a couple things for breakfast that I really like. They've got like a sausage and egg thing. Um, but I, when yeah, I get th- that, I would eat that. <laughs> see, when I get that, I don't eat it for breakfast, though. I'll eat that like as like like a late lunch or something like that because it's it's you know more food. I could definitely go for the uh, uh, for the breakfast sandwich. Yeah. I'm going to do something. Oh, and they do have a breakfast sandwich, and they've you know, and they, you know, they're trying to be healthy, so they've got some stuff like like uh, you know, they uh, a lot of the stuff is uh, made with turkey instead of pork. You know, what I mean, like turkey bacon or turkey sausage or something like that. And they've got, uh, you know, it it it's mixed and match. But uh, you know, uh, what what else do they do? Like they've got like a, a sausage sandwich where the uh, the biscuit is made at least partially with cauliflower, huh? But you know, it doesn't really, you know. I like cauliflower. Cauliflower doesn't really have a taste, in my opinion. I, I I know what you mean, but it's it doesn't taste like that though. It's you know just you know just tastes like a biscuit. You know what gets me is when I go to to you know somebody's house for uh, supper, and I think that there's mashed potatoes. Uh-huh. And when I get it to the, to the table, it's not. It's cauliflower. Like, uh, come on, don't trick me. <laughs> Don't try and trick me. And now I've got a plate full of cauliflower when I thought they were mashed potatoes. That's just wrong. That's wrong to do to somebody. Uh, did you uh, Did you see Net Newswire five shipped? I did. Very happy I, about that. I, I love Net Newswire five I mean, years in the making. Yeah, I, I think it's you know that's one of those apps that we've all used and for a long time, like BB Edit. You know, we yeah. just. We've all used it. Yeah, but the difference is so BB Edit has been on a steady course nonstop since 1991 or 92 or so. And as, you know, under Rich Siegel's, you know, development and and his colleague from the beginning, Patrick Woolsey uh, and others. uh, But, you know, Rich and Patrick have been a team literally since 1992 uh, and have never really looked up. Net Newswire has sort of had a, a, a I wouldn't say rocky, but a, a tumultuous, tumultuous yes. would be the word, history where where my dear friend, my good friend Brent Simmons developed it. I think he, I think it launched seventeen years ago. Uh, yeah, it was like two thousand two, um, same year that Daring Fireball launched, uh, and became. A, a hit. It was a commercial product. I think he sold it for twenty or twenty five dollars. Uh, you know, support. You know, became his his full time job. And then uh, I forget when he sold it, but at some point, seven eight years in, he sold it and went to work for the company that bought it, yep. and um, then moved on to other things within the company, doing like a, a sort of a slack like thing called Glassboard. For them, I don't know if you remember Glassboard, but I it was, do. It's pretty useful. I, I still miss it in some ways compared to Slack. Um, and then they sold it to Black Pixel, uh, sort of a well, you know, well-known Mac developers, iOS developers. But a you know, their their bread and butter is consulting work, uh, and so Net Newswire sort of fell by the wayside under their ownership. And then Brent, five years ago, started working on a new RSS reader on his own, on the side. He now, you know, Brent, Brent and I, you know, worked for a while together on on Vesper with our friend Dave Whiskus. Uh, and then I, I guess after that, it was after Vesper 
you know, sort of ceased development that he started working. What did he call it? Evergreen was what he was calling it. Uh, his new RSS reader, just because, you know, he just, he just realized, I mean, I don't want to put words in Brent's mouth. I should probably have him on the show, but basically, you know, in his bones, he still loved RSS, still wanted, still felt like there wasn't a Mac RSS reader that did things the way he wanted it to be done. And instead of doing it commercially, because now Brent works at the Omni group, um, but not as a developer, he's like uh, head of product marketing and does sort of yeah. developer relations. Um, and then on the side to scratch his development itch as it was, had been developing this RSS reader at open source. Uh, and then about a year ago, uh, black pixel, he, he and black pixel negotiated and black pixel was like, you know what? Here, we're not doing anything with it. Take the net newswire name back and effectively just gave it to Brent. Uh, which I think was very cool. That's and, classy. Yeah, and I think it's you know it, it sort of speaks to the way the the Apple developer community has always worked, where there's sort yeah. of uh, a lot of stuff just gets done with a handshake and uh, just full of good people. But it's right, you know what I mean? Like it just fits this app like a glove. Like this is where Net Newswire should be in 2019. Um, and Brent, you know. <laughs> I love him to death. He's a great developer and a very dear friend. But he's got some very <laughs> funny ideas about like what alpha and beta mean. <laughs> like, and then you know, lots of developers do. You know, like yeah. I, I sort of feel like Apple has sort of the uh, Apple's take on what's beta is sort of canonical, you know, like beta is buggy and features come and go, you know, like since WWDC, there've been new features that have been added to the iOS and, and Mac OS betas. And there've been, there are a lot of bugs in June and July. It feels, you know, I want to get into it on this show. We have other things to talk about, but it feels like as of mid August, the latest, beta, at least for iOS, has really, really taken a step up towards shippability in terms of fixing a lot of bugs. Because um, uh, I've got it, I just still don't have it on my main phone, but I've got it on my year-old iPhone 10. And a lot of the problems I was seeing before are gone. You know, that's beta. But in, in Brent's mind, that's alpha. Everything, what most people consider beta is alpha. And what he yep. considers beta is feature complete. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that the only things missing are things like documentation. <laughs> uh, so it's been in beta for a while, but his the Net Newswire five betas are were more stable and, <laughs> and more reliable than most non-beta software. Yeah. But anyway, as of today, August twenty sixth, it is shipped. It is non-beta, and. I, I couldn't be happier for him, and I just uh, I have to write about it on Daring Fireball. I just feel like I want to hold this up as the this is what a Mac modern Mac app should be in 2019. Yep. It looks modern. It 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 just looks everything like what a, a Mac app today should look like. It's scriptable. It has a full help book. So you go to the help menu. You ever go to the help menu in a Mac app and you're like, I want to look this up and you go and there is a help menu and you go help, help for this app. And then you get a dialogue box to say help is not available for this. app. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, why don't, if, why, it, well, why, why even have the menu item? Just to fucking delete the menu. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's got a full help book. It, like I said, it's scriptable. Um, you know, there's all sorts of features he wants to add. I, I know the number one thing is that for syncing between other feed readers, like on, because there's no companion iOS app, he's only, right now, Net Newswire only syncs to a service called Feedbin, which actually. Yeah. I, That's I, the one I use. Well, and that, I didn't. I, I would have voted for Feedbin. I didn't get a vote, but uh, that is actually – it's an outstanding sync service. I forget what you pay for it. It's a very, very reasonable cost. Oh, yeah. It's cheap. Yeah. Very reasonable. Super reliable. But but having third-party sync services for RSS, it's it's very similar to email, right, where, where it doesn't really matter who your email provider is. You can use – whatever email client you want and you just give your credentials and your email comes in. That's what feed reading has sort of evolved to. It wasn't like that 17 right. years ago. No. Um, but now it is. But if you have a Feedbin account and you want to also read IR, uh, uh, your RSS feeds, same feeds on your iPad and your iPhone, all you need is, is any of the various RSS readers that support Feedbin on those platforms, use the same credentials and you can do it. Uh, and it just it just feels like net newswire it's fast super fast everything's snappy you can use the arrow keys on your keyboard to move around which is to me like it just defines the art you know the the net newswire experience yep it, it it's really been years since there was an an a rss reader that felt like net newswire and honestly in that interim i sort of i never completely stopped using rss but I was using NetNewsWire 3, the last version Brent developed. I mean, no offense to the Black Pixel folk. I, I don't, you know, although I, I guess it is slightly offensive. I just never liked their version of NetNewsWire. It just didn't feel right to me. And so I just stuck with NetNewsWire 3.32 or something. And it really started looking dated. You know what I mean? It just looked like yeah. a, like a 20, 2009 app. You know, it just had the wrong style icons and... You know, I'm not super picky about stuff like that, but it, it just grows on you. So I kind of faded away from RSS. But now that NetNewsWire is back, I'm back reading RSS, and I couldn't be happier about it. Well, it's funny because Brent pinged me a little while ago and said, hey, your your icon doesn't look right in um, NetNewsWire. Yeah. It, it looks too small. And, you know, he did ping me about it, and... Um, I forgot to do anything about it, so unfortunately, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he uh, if he took it out or if he actually special cased you know, it or something. Le yeah, left it in there mm -hmm. or, or what? But Brent, hey, sorry, man, I will do it. <laughs> I will do it. All right, let me take a break here and thank our first sponsor, it's our good friends at Casper. Here I am. Who would have thought by 2019 I'd be selling mattresses on the internet? But I am, and I couldn't be happier to do it because I love this company's products. Casper's mattresses and other sleep products are all cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. You spend one third of your life sleeping. I spend more than a third of my life sleeping, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so you should be comfortable. Uh, the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep service that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. The original Casper mattress, back in the day, they only had one style of mattress. That's the original. It combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Breathable design helps you sleep cool, regulate your body temperature throughout the night. 
well-reviewed, 4.8-star average across Casper, Amazon, and Google's websites. It's, it's becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Now, they also offer four other mattresses now. The Wave, the Essential, the Hybrid Casper, and the Hybrid Wave. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. That's their one that's a little bit less expensive. Still a great mattress. The Hybrid. So originally, their first three mattresses were all foam. Special foam, different layers. Now, the hybrids combine their foam with springs, new technology. Uh, and they also offer a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure an overall better sleep experience. And they're all designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. They've got their own mattress engineers, Jim. They don't just take mattresses from some company uh, in China or wherever and then stick a Casper label on them. They've got mattress engineers here dedicated to helping us sleep better right here in the USA, making these mattresses. Uh, And they've got affordable prices, way more affordable than comparable premium mattresses that you'd get at a mattress store because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you. And you think, I don't want to buy a mattress on the Internet. I can't try it. They've got hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. There you go. I love it. 100-night, risk-free. You can sleep on it for three months plus. And if you don't like it, send it back free of charge. They'll give you all your money back. I got to tell you, it's a a huge change in my life. Uh, I, I remember before I had a Casper mattress, go on vacation go to a nice hotel, sleep on a really nice hotel mattress, go home and think my mattress was cruddy. Now I go on vacation, sleep on a nice hotel bed, come home, and I'm delighted to be back in my Casper mattress. That's how good it is. It's like sleeping in a luxury hotel every single night. Here's a special offer for listeners of the show. You can save 50 bucks towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com, C-A-S-P-E-R, Casper.com slash talk show. And remember that code talk show at checkout. So go to Casper.com slash talk show, special code talk show. Terms and conditions apply. I don't know what those terms and conditions are, but they, they do apply. Uh, now we can get to the we get to the meat of the show. All right. How about Apple Card? Apple Card is now available widespread. Do you, you get an Apple Card? Uh, I do not have one yet. And it's it's kind of funny for me because I will get one. I will get one eventually. But <clears throat> since I moved here, um, I've basically done everything that I do in in California with cash. Hmm. I, I, I you know most of what I do is in cash. So getting uh, a credit card, there's you know it's not a big deal, but then I start to think about it and think, well, you know, I've done everything in cash. Do I need a credit card? Do I want a credit card? You know, so it's just one of those things where I haven't really decided what I want to do yet. So I, I got one. I signed up for one. Uh, now, the press, some of the people in the press, including uh, yours truly, were invited to get one early, you know, in a way that if you if you people outside the press also got them early, where if you when they first announced it, it I don't know when earlier in the year, you could sign up at apple.com and say, notify me, you know, as soon as you can. And I have a couple of friends, you know, who got the notification like, hey, you can sign up 
you know, now before it's widespread availability. Um, I waited partially out of uh, apathy, <laughs> for lack of a better word, and partially yeah. because I sort of wanted the the regular experience, like the typical, you know, I, I, I don't want a special experience. And, you know, I, I think it makes sense. A credit card is a very strange product for Apple. You know, like they come out with, let's say, a new MacBook Pro. And members of the media, like me or you, might they might loan us one for two months, and it's a review unit, and they just you know you sign an NDA and you sign an agreement that you're gonna you know keep this for eight weeks and then mail it back to them, and then right. you're using it for review purposes, and and if there's an embargo because it it's not out for ten days, you know you agree not to write about it until such and such date when the embargo let blah blah blah. Um, they don't. They didn't do anything funny like that with the credit card. Like nobody in the media got like a review credit card loaded up with you know a hundred dollars of Apple money or something like that to test. <laughs> well, I mean they could have, but you know yeah they could have. But it, because it's a credit card, I think it's weird. So anybody in the media who got one and wrote about it put it on their own name using their own credit and and you know whatever limit they got you know was what Goldman Sachs looking at your credit history got. So there's you know nothing funny like that, um, you know, and I think that makes sense. Uh, so do you I. know, uh, I don't think it would be right to to, you know, I, I, it would just be fishy if they were giving people in the media money to spend. Yes. Um, so I waited until I forget what day it was last week when it was like okay, Apple Pay or Apple Card is now available to everybody, and so I went into. Uh, you go to the wallet app, you hit the plus button, and it's like, do you want to sign up for Apple Card? And I said yes. And I have to say that sign-up process is is truly outstanding. It really is very, very smooth and very, very fast. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and it auto-fills an awful lot of the stuff because your phone already knows your first name and your last name. It autofilled my my phone number because I was doing it on the phone. Um, uh, just about anything that could be autofilled was autofilled. Uh, the only thing I think it didn't autofill was my. You have to you know tell them what your income is. So it, you know my phone doesn't know that. So I type that in. But they're very clear. They say in very clear words that Apple does not receive that information. It, that only goes to Goldman Sachs and whatever you know. They have to I guess look at that. Uh, and then you hit okay and it spun for a little bit and it gave, you know, said, you know, waiting, I forget, you know, it, and then boom, you know, it was like, okay, you're approved. Here's your Apple card. There it is. It's in your wallet. You could go use it. You know, I, I don't know, 15 seconds, so, 20 seconds, something like uh, that. Yeah. I was there with, um, my girlfriend when she, uh, she, she wanted one and, and it, it was out. So I showed her where to go on the you know, the wallet to get it. She went in, pressed a couple of buttons and, and all of a sudden it was back. I bet you the whole process didn't take more than a minute, minute and a half. I agree. Yeah. And same it, for me. Is, it was back in her wallet and they yeah. said, yeah, here you go. Now, um, here's my question to you with your girlfriend after that, after she got approved, was she prompted to use her Apple card for all Apple purchases? Oh, 
I don't know. Some of my friends say they were, that they, I, you know. They I don't have, think she was. She was prompted to get a card. Right. But I don't think she was prompted to use the card. Right. So one of the reasons, one mm. of the main reasons I wanted the card, you know, partially curiosity, but partially the 3% cash back on Apple purchases, which applies to everything. It applies to buying, like, hardware. It applies to iTunes and App Store purchases. Anything you buy from Apple, if you use your Apple card, you get 3% cash back, which beats any other card that I have in terms of, you know, rewards. So it makes sense to switch everything over. Um, you know, so one of the first things I wanted to do after I was approved for the card was switch my, my, my iTunes and App Store account to use this card instead of my Amex, which I'd been using for years, and to switch my store account saved card to use the Apple card so that, you know, I mean, you could obviously enter it when I actually go to the online Apple store and buy something. I could, you know, obviously enter it then, but when, you know, I expected that to be easy. And some of my friends said they were prompted for that, that they just had a button. That's and a good they, idea. Right. And that you can go, and they also say that, that they have a button. If you go to the wallet, once you've added the card, you go to the wallet, you pick your Apple card and you hit this, that dot, dot, dot button. Mm -hmm. And like somewhere down, like there's like a, a section here for uh, bank accounts. And then underneath that, there's like a little button that says, you know, you, I forget exact words, but you know, use Apple card for all Apple purchases. And you hit that button and it changes all of your online accounts to, to, to use the Apple card. Well, I'd I be good with that. I, I didn't, I don't have that button and I didn't get prompted for it. Huh? And it, it's like, I, this isn't Apple cards fault. It, it, it I, I think it's Apple's fault, but it's not Apple cards fault. Like the Apple card sign up process was seamless for me and I got it, but I didn't get prompted for that. So I thought, well, I'll just change it manually. So I go into, uh, wherever you go and sit, you know, there's a couple, couple paths to get there. You could, cause right. if you change, if you change your payment in the app store, app store payments, you know, change your credit card there. It also changes your iTunes, your iTunes and your app store is the same thing. So you can go through, you know, to iTunes and then go to payments and change your credit card. And then it'll also change your app store either way. But when I went there, I only have one credit card. I only had one credit card on my uh, iTunes account. And it was an American Express card that I've had for years. Um, earlier this year, I forget how many months, let's say five, four or five months ago, uh, the card was uh, flagged for fraudulent purchases. Somebody was using it at uh, uh, Home Shopping Network. <laughs> So oh my! And that's not you sitting up in the middle of the night. No. Well, <laughs> well, here's it's a funny story, Jim. So somebody bought a a, a curling iron on the Home Shopping Network <laughs> using my Amex. Yeah. And I the the slightly freaky thing about it is it wound up getting shipped to me as well. And the guy, Ooh. the name was Frank Browns. Not Frank Brown, Frank Browns with an S, which seems like a made-up name. I've never heard of anybody whose last name is B-R-O-W-N-S. Right. But Amex is, uh, is a terrific credit card in terms of a lot of these features that, that Apple Pay has. Like the Amex app is terrific. It stays up to date. I get notifications of payments 
very shortly after they're made. Like if I go to the corner store and buy a six pack of beer, I'll get a notification that I went to the market and, you know, bought, uh, you know, $16, $16 purchase as I'm walking out the door, you know, right. Um, my, mine would ping me and say, why did you only buy a six pack? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the next day, like, I don't know when this must've happened at night. The next day, Amy, <laughs> Amy got, you know, is on the same Amex account. And she says to me, what were you doing last night? And I said, nothing. I was watching a movie. And she, <laughs> and she said, how much did you have to drink? And I said, no, nah, I, I mean, you know, like nor, and not a lot. And she goes, did you buy something at Home Shopping Network? And I was like, no. And she's like, are you sure? <laughs> and I said, I swear to God. Because here's the funny thing is uh, back in the day, I used to like watching. I never bought anything. But I used to like watching the Home Shopping Network like, you know, like 20 years ago. Uh you know, you know, have a couple beers, you know, uh, put the home shopping on. I just enjoyed the, 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 like the carnival barker aspect of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, the, like it didn't make me want to buy stuff, but I found it fascinating to, to watch. I especially like to watch, there was a, a big loudmouth guy who used to sell baseball cards, you know, like collector, you know, like a Pete Rose rookie card and, and stuff like that. And he'd be screaming at you, you know, that, you know, you're, if you don't buy this rookie card, you know, you're, you're, you're doing not just yourself a disservice, you're doing your children a disservice because this, <laughs> this card is going to be worth so much money. This is an inheritance. You know, this is going to, this card's going to do nothing but go up, you know, and, and I just enjoyed watching it. So she knew I used to watch it like 20 years ago and she's, and, and she was like giving me like, you know, like like a total like skeevy eye, like maybe I, I <laughs> put a load on and bought it, bought something at home, but we didn't know what we bought. All we saw from Amex was like a, a $60 charge from home shopping. Next day, ding dong, you know, FedEx shows up or UPS or whoever, and there's the box ad addressed to Frank Brown's, but with our address and we open it up and it's a goddamn curling iron from home shopping network, you know, and I'd already called, I called Amex the day before and reported, you know, that it was fraud. Um, so anyway, you know, the card was used for fraud. They said, don't worry about it. We'll send you a new card. We'll have it. You know, FedEx is great about this. They literally, they, they like overnight it showed up, you know, probably before the curling iron did. Um, but they told me, they said, you, you know, we'll get you a new card. You'll have a new number. Um, but you don't need to change any of your stuff online. Anything you have saved online will continue to work. And indeed, they were true to their word. I didn't really log into anything. And like my iTunes purchases kept working. You know, my Amazon huh. stuff kept working. Uh, even though I had a new number, it's like they, you know, I guess the way these, these modern companies do it is they don't just save a stupid 16-digit number. There's like a, a handshake that they do, you know, cryptographically secure and that, you know, they, they've got some kind of deeper connection than just stupid numbers. Right. Um, but turns out, I don't know if it was through software updates or what, um, on, when I went to the payment section on my iPhone for iTunes, it, it, I had had my Amex and it was, like I said, I've been buying stuff for months using it, but it said needs verification like in red. And what they wanted huh. me to do was to go in and enter the, the CVV number, you know, the secret right. extra number. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't do that because the old card 
was canceled and I, I and I, I I'd thrown it out. So I, I and I I think I remember the old CVV number because I used it so many times. But it, I and if I'm correct, it still wouldn't take it. And that kind of makes sense because that whole card is invalidated. And it wouldn't take my new number because that's not the same. It, they wanted one that ended in, you know, here's the last four digits of oh, the card. Yeah. And the verification sheet, the thing that says we want you to verify this, it, you know, for the card ending in these four digits, you know, with this expiration date, we want your CVV number. The only field that's editable was the CVV number. I couldn't type the whole new credit card in. Huh. And I couldn't delete the card and re-add a new card because it said the the because we have family sharing for iTunes and it yep. said the and I'm the family organizer. The family organizer needs at least one card. So I was in a total catch twenty two situation. Uh, I couldn't, and it wouldn't let me add a new card either because it said before I add a new card, I need to verify the one that needed verification. So I couldn't. Oh man, so you're I, stuck. So I couldn't add a new card because the other one needed to be verified. I couldn't verify it because the card wouldn't let me edit the whole number. It would only take the old number, and I couldn't delete it because I'm the family organizer. What did you do? Well, I, I don't know if it was the right thing. I think what I should have done, and I should have done, is called Apple. And I don't know what number. And that's why I didn't call them, because I didn't know what number to call. <laughs> I, I mean, I probably could have Googled it and found it in 20 seconds. But I should have called Apple. But I just don't like calling people. So what yeah. I did is disable family sharing. And then I could delete the card, and I had no cards on my iTunes account, and I re-added both my new Amex and my new Apple card. And then I turned family sharing back on again. But that was probably the wrong way to do it because it was – Well, because it, it was sort of a pain in the ass where uh, Amy and Jonas had to, like, re-agree to everything – and mm. we had to, you know, when you turn on family sharing, which is a great feature when it's working, but we had to like turn on that we want to share apps, we want to share movies, we want to share location, we want to share, I forget what else, there's like four or five things you can share, but you have to turn them all back on. And they both had to re-add it. And I, you know what I mean? It's just like a funny notification. It says, I get like a notification like five minutes later. It says, Jonas Gruber has joined your family. And it's... <laughs> Uh, like, what? Amy? <laughs> guess what? We have a son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, at least you found a way uh, out of it. If other people are in this uh, this predicament, then uh, yeah. Uh, and and then the one the one thing that really stuck with me is that, uh, and I, it was such a pain in the ass, uh, is that the one app for the for the most part, I'm the one who buys lots of apps and I tend to buy the movies. And it seemed like movies weren't a problem. Like Jonas, I, I was able to, as soon as I re-enabled all this, movies that have been bought on my account, uh, he could play and it played with no problem. But Amy was the one who bought TweetBot for iOS. 
And the reason she bought it instead of me was that I, I'm a beta tester for TweetBot. And so I was still using the beta for free, like when TweetBot 5 shipped and, you know, the update came out and she loves TweetBot too. So she bought it, you know. Um, and so ever since when I've been using, and, and it's not currently in beta, there's no, like in test flight, there's no beta available. So I've been using the App Store version. But when I tried launching TweetBot on my iPhone, it said, you can't use this app because it's no longer being shared with you. So, oh. and then it said, you need to go to the app store and purchase it yourself. Now it's TweetBot's only five bucks. So I don't care. I, I honest to God, I love it. I, I like supporting independent developers. I think $5 is too little for an app yeah, that I use as much too. as TweetBot. Happy, happy to give them an extra five bucks. Really, I, honestly. But the problem is I'd go to the app store and the app store entry for TweetBot didn't say buy, it said open because it was already on my phone. Hmm. So I couldn't buy it. So I have to delete it. I deleted it. And uh, that is true. I deleted it. And then it would say buy. So you're, you're one step ahead of me. And then I'd say buy and it would do face ID. And then it would say, you know, it didn't say congratulations, but effectively it's like, congratulations, you don't need to purchase this. A family member has already bought it. <laughs> I swear to God. And I hit okay. It downloads and I launch it and it says, uh, you can't use this app because it's no longer being shared with you. So the app store knew that uh, after having disabled family sharing and re-enabling family sharing with the same two people, the App Store could properly see that this was an app that Amy had bought and she's in my family sharing circle, so I shouldn't need to buy it. But Springboard, the iPhone launcher, obviously lost track of... Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Like when I, when I disabled family sharing and then re-enabled it, it somehow still had um, TweetBot. And... The odd thing is that this was true on both of my iPhones that I'm using. The one, like I said, I've got the iPhone 10 running the, the iOS 13 betas. I've got my iPhone 10s that's running iOS 12.4. Neither of them could launch it with the exact same problem. My iPad, though, could launch it just fine. And I'm not 100% sure if that's because it was still running and it wasn't really relaunching. And I was afraid to... I was afraid to force quit it because <laughs> I didn't want to lose the only device I had to where it still worked. Yeah. And I wound up fixing it. it, it I, and I have another iPad too. I have an iPad mini where I'm running the iPad beta. And on that one, it was giving me the sharing thing. And so I wound up fixing this by, and then I, I cause I, I, I knew I was going to talk about it on the podcast for sure. I'm, and I might write about it at daring fireball. And for the most part, a lot of the times, I don't really contact Apple before I write about stuff, even if I'm complaining. But this felt like one where I should give them a chance to explain or figure out what the hell's going on. So I got in contact with Apple PR for Apple Card and explained everything I've just told you over the last 10 minutes. So it was, <laughs> it was a very long email. <laughs> uh, and I got to talk to somebody uh, on Jaws's team who's uh, in the product marketing group. And his first guess, and it was right, he was like, let me guess, you've got separate accounts for iCloud and iTunes. And I was like, oh. yes. 
And he said, yeah, that's, you know, and for the most part over the last few years, that's, that's worked perfectly. So you know what I mean, right? Like yeah, yeah. it's, it, it's most of us that have like Mac.com addresses. Like if you've been using iCloud since it was like Mac.com. So I've got, you know, whatever my, you know, at Mac.com is my iCloud account. And then I've got, uh, a daring fireball address that I have used for iTunes ever since the, uh, the music store opened in 2002. So all my purchases are on a at daring fireball email address. And my iCloud is a Mac.com. Uh, and I think that's the root of all of my problems. So I think for most people who know, you know, and I think it's very common that if you only have one account and it's both your iCloud and your store account, you get like this magic experience. Because the other, oh, the other side effect of this is that I, because I don't have that button to just use my Apple card for iTunes purchases, the only way that I could add my Apple card as my payment source for iTunes was the old-fashioned way of entering the 16-digit MasterCard number, enter the expiration date, enter the CVV secret number, and then it shows up. Just It just shows up in my list as a generic MasterCard. It doesn't show up as an Apple card with an Apple card, you know, shiny logo. It just looks like a generic you know how like when you add a credit yeah, yeah. card to this like the amex looks like an amex and and stuff it just yep. shows up as a generic mastercard um and i think that's also why and i think the fact that my amex had that verification problem was the reason i didn't get the prompt to just use it as my apple card because somehow it knew we can't add this as your payment because you have a problem with the only card you have on your account <laughs> so anyway it just works <laughs> Wow. <laughs> All's good one. But uh, one thing uh, I will say too. So I wasn't sure like, hey, if this doesn't see it as an Apple card, if it just thinks it's a generic MasterCard, am I still going to get 3% cash back on Apple purchases? And the truth and, and the fact is I do. And it's still like that. But like if I buy a movie or rent a movie on iTunes or something like that, the next day when I get the notification in the wallet app, it says 3% cash back. Oh, well that's good. Yeah. So I eventually straightened everything out. I think what I had to do on these devices to get Tweetbot working was on some of them what I did was sign out of sign out of iCloud but not out of iTunes. Family sharing goes through iCloud even though the payment account is my iTunes account. But by signing out of iCloud temporarily, then I could go to the App Store and purchase it again and purchase it on my account. And so I did and sp you know, spent the extra five bucks and got TweetBot. But the same thing didn't work on all my devices. Like on one of the devices, I forget which one, one of the phones, I think, it's, even that didn't work. And I forget what I did. I just, I just spent like an hour just poking and downloading and deleting and buying. And eventually I got TweetBot working again. Wow. So that's See, my Apple that's, Pay story. That's it. Was there anything about Apple Card that you were looking for? I mean, when you when you look at a a credit card, did you want? Oh, you said that they didn't have miles or no? Because to me, the the cashback seems like a great thing. I love the cashback. I, I really do. So Amex does points, um, right? And I've had Amex. For I guess like ten years, and we've got a zillion points. Um, but points are 
can confusing to me because it's very, very difficult to convert them to, to figure out what I want to know is the obvious thing you want to know is how many, how many cents is a point worth and the answer (laughs) there, and there is no answer, right? It's whatever they want to make it at the time. Right. Roughly speaking. And again, uh, like a friend of the show and sometimes, you know, often guest Dan Fromer, uh, writes like a, a newsletter just about this. I forget what he calls it, points, points pal or something like that. But he's got a great newsletter that, that tells you all about this and how to get discounts and what cards to get for this and that. Um, there is no easy points to dollars uh, conversion. But roughly speaking, it's about two cents. And that makes sense because you get a point for every dollar they're worth two cents. So you're getting roughly 2% back, right? And that makes okay, sense. Yeah. You know, it's a good card. Amex is a good card. 2% is is pretty good. Um, but you really kind of have to do math when you use them. So like one of the <laughs> one of the good ways to use Amex points is to go through Amex has a travel site and you can book airfare through Amex travel and you can book hotels through Amex travel. Um and I, I've used – I don't really use it for airfare. I like using the actual American Airlines site just because I feel like so many things can go wrong uh, with air travel. And we have an American Airlines credit card to rack up bonus because Philadelphia is so dominated by American. I can't remember the last time I flew any airline other than American. Uh, really? I think, yeah. I, I think I flew Southwest – and I like Southwest, but I, I think I flew Southwest once about three years ago. Otherwise, every single trip, my entire family has taken business or pleasure for five or six years has been on American Airlines because it's just they go, a they go everywhere we go. B we've got gold status, uh, and C they so dominate Philadelphia that there's an awful lot of places where Americans literally the only direct flight. Um, yeah, or like uh, like flying to Vegas. I think United has a direct flight, but it's like at an awful time. It's like it leaves Philly at five o'clock at night, and you don't get to Vegas until eleven. So it's like you, you know, what I mean, like you're paying for a night at, at the hotel, but you didn't even get there till eleven o'clock. Who the you know what the hell kind of a day of a vacation is that? Yeah. So for you know, and I love getting direct flights. I really, I I just had so many times where I've gotten burned by having a layover and, you know, it just increased, you know, you're just doubling your chances of having a delay screw you. Um, so anyway, we fly American all the time. So we got the American credit card. Um, and so for airfare, we just book on American airlines and use the, that's the only thing we use the American credit card for is to book airfare. Um, but for Amex travel for hotels, it's really kind of great. And what you can do, but it, it, it you're doing work. So in other words, let's say I want to stay at, uh, I, I don't know, the Hilton in San Francisco. I don't know. Uh, you can go to the Hilton website, look up what their rate is, and it says it's $400 a night or whatever the you know outrageous San Francisco hotel rate is. <laughs> you go to Amex Travel, put the same hotel in, and it tells you how many points it'll take. And therefore, you can kind of compute if you roughly think of them as two cents. Are, am I getting a D? Is this a good use of my points or not? And occasionally, it's a phenomenal use of, you know, that if you roughly value the points at two cents, it's like, 
you know, wow, that's only like 200 bucks, you know, take it. And the other thing, it doesn't always work. They tell you it does, but they, Amex says that you get an automatic upgrade. So like whatever quality room you book through Amex travel, when you check in, if it's available, the hotel is supposed to automatically upgrade you to the next level up. And, and it has happened to me, you know, it doesn't happen every time, but still. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily believe in, in that kind of stuff when they tell me that. I really don't. I, I maybe but, I'm just, it's, but it's work. You know what I mean? And and yeah. you can use points in other ways too. Like we have, cause we have the Amex saved on our Amazon account. So anything we buy on Amazon, if we want to, we can use points instead of dollars, but I, the math just turns me off. So we just wind up hoarding these points, right? Yes. We've got all of these Amex points that we could buy all sorts of stuff with. And Amy more or less wants me to lay my, you know, she considers them hers. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, don't use those points. And I'm like, but you never use them. And she's like, don't worry. <laughs> Someday. But uh, I find cashback to be so much simpler. I, I, I yeah. love the cashback aspect of the card. It's so much simpler. It's, it's totally, it's very honest. It's, you know, here you go. You know, you bought something for a hundred bucks. Here's two bucks back. But and you know the, fact, that it, the fact that they give it to you the next day is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. And it's not going to be long before other cards start to do some of the things that Apple is going to do. When I look at, at the process, and no, I didn't do it myself, but when my girlfriend did it, um, you know, I was there. I watched how she went through it. And it was just so simple. To me, that's the whole magical part of the card right there. Yeah. Just, just applying for it. Um, and then to see... You know, the 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 way that the uh, purchases are broken out and, yeah. you know, all of that is just it's so simple, but it's a very Apple way of doing things. Now, one thing I I asked uh, Dave Mark this last week when we were doing our podcast on, on Thursday, um, how do you pay for it? Mm-hmm. How do you pay, pay off your card? I, I don't know. He didn't know. He looked yep. in there to try and find it. Do you know how you pay off your card? So uh, you go you go to the app, you go to the wallet, you hit the dot, dot, dot button and scroll down and there's a thing called bank accounts and you can hook up your bank account oh. and then you can therefore use that. So you just hook up like your personal checking to it and then you can use that to pay the card whenever you want. So you can't pay in my understanding you can't pay a credit card with another credit card right uh so does that mean that you can't use a debit card in there which is basically cash no apparently you can't and it's funny because i thought of that and and i i'm not quite sure if it's because even though a debit card is cash it's still too close to a credit card and goes through the credit card network you know that Mm. they don't want to let you do it but you definitely can't pay a credit card with a credit card um, at least directly, right? Like right. indirectly, you could take a cash advance from a credit card and use the cash advance to pay another credit card. I mean, obviously, if you're doing that, you're you're you know, well, you shouldn't entering, have it in the first place. <laughs> you're entering the circle of hell of of credit yeah. card debt. Um, so you can, there's ways around it, but you can't do it directly. You can't just call up your Mastercard and say, "Here's my Visa." <laughs> Yeah, pay it off, and then two weeks later, call Visa and say, "Here's my Mastercard." (laughs) You can't. Um, But I thought about that with Apple Cash because I actually have, like, uh, I I don't know. I've somehow I've wound up with like three thousand dollars on my Apple Cash card because of various um, 
meals over the last year or two with friends where I've like I've paid and then the friends have Apple cashed me their share rather oh, than yes, you know yeah, rather yeah. than put six cards in the bill or something like that. Yeah. I'll put my card in. I uh, for a couple of meals I've done this. So I've somehow with friends repaying me for stuff and and a couple of other things like shared gifts for you know mutual friends where we've gone in and bought a gift for a friend for the birthday and Anyway, I've wound up with three thousand dollars on my Apple Cash card, and yet I've only I've only charged like in a week since I've had the Apple credit card, I've only charged like eighty seven dollars. So I could easily pay it, you know, with the Apple Cash, um, but you can't. Yeah, you need, I guess you need to put a bank account in there. But that's anyway. Oh. That's how you do it. You go to the wallet. Okay. Dot dot dot. Scroll down. Bank accounts. Enter a bank account, and then you can use the bank account to pay it. Well, that's good to know. Uh, so it very is, easy. It is, yeah. It's it should, it's very easy. Um, the other thing I know was that was an issue. Uh, Nicole Nguyen at BuzzFeed News had an article about the fact that there's no website to log into to look at your Apple Card. So if you if you lose your iPhone um, and it's your only iOS device, hmm. um, there's no way to access your account. Uh, which is an issue, and I, when I talked to Apple about my other problem, I asked about it. And you know, typical Apple fashion, they're not going to tell me what's come. You know, they don't tell you what's coming. Right. Um, but I asked, you know, is there are there any plans for like a website? Uh, and there is. Like, if you type wallet.apple.com, it it that's an actual website. It right now it forwards you to another. Uh, apple.com it forwards you somewhere and apple.com slash apple card and tells you all about apple card um, I hope that wallet.applecard becomes a um, a destination where you can do stuff like that but I did I, I, I was told something interesting talking to Apple about this uh, which I hadn't thought of so um you ever hear of Mint? I don't know if Mint is even oh, yeah, still yeah. around. So like Mint is is a personal finance manager. You go in there and and you give them you like effectively give them the login to all of your all of your your financial info. You give them the login to your bank, you give them the login to your credit cards and stuff like that. And then Mint keeps track of all of your finances. And I'm there's dozens and dozens of other services that do the same thing, I'm sure, because it's a, a, a obvious need. Or an obvious—it's something with obvious appeal. Apple is genuinely concerned about the privacy implications of that, uh, of all of those services, and they, yeah. you know, that they looked at. I, I, I'm I'm mentioning Mint. Apple did not mention anybody in spe- specifics. Apple didn't mention Mint in particular. So let me make that clear. They just mentioned—I I mentioned Mint as an example because I know that Amy has used it. Uh, and it's the one that I know of. Um, but they just mentioned them in general as a as a category of service. But they said that they've they've looked in detail at their these services' privacy policies, and they're not comfortable with them. And so, if there were a a website where you could log into your Apple Card and look at all your purchases and stuff like that, that would therefore enable you it would enable a service these these personal finance managers to also do the same thing and apple is not comfortable with that whereas the way it works now where you can only do it through the wallet app on on an iphone or now you can't you know there is no wallet app for ipad 
um, because you know it doesn't have NFC. You can't take your iPad up and and swipe it at a term, you know, wave it at a terminal. But you right. can go. There is in settings on an iPad. There is an Apple Pay, an Apple Card, or Apple Pay and Wallet section, and so you can, if you have an iPad and and uh, an iPhone. You can get to your Apple card on your iPad in settings by going down to the right section, and you can do certain stuff there. Um, but by doing it only on iOS, in addition to Apple's sort of app-first mentality as opposed to web-first mentality, they also see it as privacy protection. And I, I believe that. I totally believe that as, as, as part of the reason why it's set up the way it is. Well, I, I mean, I trust Apple and it's it's commitment to privacy and security implicitly you know so except for having contractors listen to your siri conversations <laughs> hey so so I'm, here I'm, i am I'm, I'm, gonna I'm, opt I'm, in. I'm i'm on my ipad you go to settings you scroll down and there's wallet and apple pay and you mm-hmm. can go there and it lists you know you can use apple cash so you can you know from iMessage you can send apple cash Here's my Apple card. It's listed here. You can go in there. And when you go in there, and this is on the iPad, I'm looking at it right now, you get a lot of the same info uh, that you see on the phone in the wallet app. So there's the, the little button to message. So you can do the the magic iMessage chat with, with the credit card people. You can call them. You can go to their website. Uh, you can make a payment. So um, the... It, it, it doesn't help you if you don't have um, an iPad. But if you do have an iPad and an iPhone and your iPhone is stolen or lost or totally broken, you can make a payment from your iPad. So the, okay. it's not quite as as dire as the BuzzFeed story made it sound that you, you know, you're tied to the one and only uh, device. Uh, so one of the other mini controversies about Apple Card was somebody read the terms and conditions and noticed a section that said something to the effect of um, Apple might send you notifications of special offers based on your purchase history. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect. And this hit Twitter, and a lot of people interpreted that quite naturally as this sucks you you're going to get spam about shit to buy so like if you if you play golf and they notice that you're you know once or twice a week you're 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 you know paying for uh you know 18 holes of golf or you're buying golf balls and stuff like that all of a sudden you're going to start getting notifications for uh titleist you know <laughs> and stuff like that or if you buy uh if you're a sneaker collector and you buy a lot of sneakers, you're going to start getting special offers from Foot Locker or something like that. Um, uh, that's not so. Talking to Apple, that's that is not that that that's. Uh, I think their lawyers or whoever wrote that did a bit of a disservice, or at least in plain English. And maybe they were just you know typical lawyeries covering Apple's ass to let them do whatever they want. What that really means is it's specific to the Apple Card product. 
meaning. So uh, the, the best example was, did you see that the uh, they worked out a deal with Uber where if you yes. use Apple Card for Uber, you get the 3% instead of 2% cash back. Right. So the example they gave me was, for example, if they noticed that you use ride sharing apps and you use, you know, Apple Card for it, uh, they would send you, they might send you a notification that says, hey, Apple Card now offers 3% cash back with Uber. And as time goes on, uh, you know, and again, they said we might, you know, but I think obviously they're they're working deals with all sorts of companies to get 3% instead of 2% with various companies. So when they work out these deals where you get the extra cash back with, uh, let's say, a, a certain sporting good company, uh, and they notice that you've bought, you've bought sporting goods – you might get a notification that says if you go to Brand X Sporting Goods, you'll get 3% cash back. But if they if you never buy sporting goods, they are a lot they may not send you that notification or hopefully won't because it it doesn't seem to be of interest to you. Right. So it's the notifications that they're talking about that you might receive based on your purchase history are specific to special features of Apple Card that you might want to know about, which Still might annoy some people because I know some people are like notification purists. And again, no, if, you, if you're out there listening to the podcast and you're like that, I'm not holding it against you. I'm not saying you're crazy or anything. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable. But it's absolutely not going to be random spam like <laughs> like you're walking past a McDonald's and an Apple Card is going to tell you to go in there and buy a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah. Little video from Tim comes up. <laughs> uh, well, you laugh, but the way that the, the terms and conditions are written, it sounds like it could be, but that's not it. It's about the special offers. Uh, and that's going to be. And how do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I, I actually am. I, I actually, because honestly, the 3% cash back is the main reason I got the card. I, I really, if they didn't offer 3% cash back on Apple purchases, I, I don't know that I would have signed up. It's because I know I'm getting more cash back than I would through my Amex. And I know I spend an awful lot of money at Apple on an annual basis, you know, with iPhones and iPads and, um, yeah. uh, you know, iTunes, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, 3% versus roughly 2% and getting cash back instead of silly Amex points is worth it for me. So knowing that there's other places that I could go and get 3% is definitely something I want to know about. No, I agree. I, I, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, and I think we all kind of knew that the Apple card was going to be popular just because Apple was putting out this card. It's going to be popular among tech because they want to try and poke holes in it. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be popular uh, with a lot of people because they want that titanium card. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but looking at it, it actually looks like a good card. Yeah, it really you does. Uh, the other thing, too, I, I, I want to say, um, talking to Apple, was the other question that, that uh, Nicole uh, Nguyen's article brought up. And, and people rightly said, without a website, well, how do you get, like, you know, uh, 
how do you, how do you get like your year's worth of statements? Like, let's say you want to, it's April, it's time to do your taxes and you want to, you want to bring your, your credit card statement and give it to your, your accountant, uh, you know, to, to go through and figure out what you can deduct and stuff like that. How do you do that if there's no website? Um, nobody has it yet. I don't think because everybody's so new that nobody's gotten one, but in the, uh, Apple card, if you go to the dot, dot, dot again, and you scroll down or somewhere, where do you go? There's somewhere you can go. And, uh, oh, card information. If you go to card information, or nope, that's not it. Well, there's somewhere you can go and it says statements. And every month there will be a statement that you can download or share um, that will give you a PDF of your month's statement. So oh, you can do cool. that. Uh, yeah, so you will be able to down and, and they will collect. So like you could wait till April and then just go back and get your August, September, October, November, December, January, February, get all of your statements for those months. Um, send them to your Mac, do whatever you want, print them, you know, so there That's is awesome. actually a way there is actually a way, you know, they, it's it's not just lost in the shuffle of the little iPhone notifications uh, where you get that. See, it. Those are the little things, you know, those are the little things that you're, you expect and they're, they are in there. They're waiting for you. Yeah. Here's where you go. I like that. You go to your Apple card in a wallet and then there's the, uh, it shows you the, the fake card and then right underneath it, it says total balance. And when you click the total balance thing, it gives you your outstanding balance, tells you your new standing, new spending, tells you your daily cash, what you just got back. And then, then there it says statements. So mine says no statements because my card's only like a week old. Um, but as you know, the months go by, there will be a list of statements there that you can download. So, you know, they've, they've, they've thought this through pretty well. Are you going to transfer, um, a lot of your, your, um, you know, regular credit card bills to the Apple card? Or are you going to just kind of see how it goes? Um, uh, I'm going to see how it goes. I, I, cause I still do like the Amex. And so, you know, and, and for roughly 2%, I, I, you know, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know. What, what about moving all of your automatic Apple purchases? Oh, definitely. All the, all the Apple stuff is all already there. I mean, it, okay. be, it's a no brainer not to 3% is, is too much three, you know, right. And again, we're arguing about the difference between one percent, you know, two percent to three percent. But you know, one percent's one percent. You know what I mean? It's hey, uh, you it, know, it's money, right? Exactly. You know, well, I I would do it too. So, did Amy get a card too? No, uh, and that one of the weird things about this card is you can't get a joint card, or at least not yet. You know, like our Amex is actually all of our other credit cards are joint accounts. You know, like. Right. The Amex is technically in my name, but Amy has a card. The American Airlines card is in her name, but I have a card. Yeah. Um, uh, That's the way a lot of cards are in families. Well, I, th- I think most. Uh, yeah. But there's no option for that with Apple Card. So, like, if you and your significant other, your spouse, want to both get Apple Card, you both get an Apple Card, and you have your own account. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad uh i I mean well and some parents uh you'll learn this when when uh uh, jonas is older but you get a card for your kid too sometimes you know if they're 
going away on a trip, you want to make sure that they have that security of they'll never be stuck. I, you know what? We actually, he, Jonas, actually, we got him on our Amex just for that oh, good. reason. I mean, he doesn't yeah. use it. I mean, and he was t- <laughs> told, <Yeah. laughs> you know, you know, we get alerts as soon as the card is used. Uh, I forget how long he's had it. Uh, but he's never, he's a good kid. He's never, and he's not stupid. Um, uh, right. So he's never abused it, but it's exactly for that reason. Just in case something happens, he's got a credit card that he can use, you know, to get home or to, for whatever. Um, you know, it's modern parenting, you know? Yes. It's the same yeah. reason kids all have phones now and you can GPS track them. Yep. It's so weird. <laughs> I know. I know I used to get uh, – my father used to give me a, a – make sure I had a dime to make a phone call at the pay phone. <laughs> I remember and, that. Yeah, and and uh, a little bit of walking around money, yeah. you know. So if you're going to a hockey game, you might need yeah. some fr- – now, this, this is obviously, you know, back a bit. So he would give me like $5 or something <laughs> like that. And, you know, you can get some fries and something to drink and go to a hockey game as – we all did. Um, and, you know, at the very end of the night, if you spent all of your money and you needed a ride home, here's your dime. You can go to the payphone and and call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a very different. I mean, we could do a whole show on what a different world it is. It, but it's weird. Like the kids growing up in this world they there's they so accept it like it doesn't seem to bother Jonas at all that we can find my friends and locate him any any moment of any day like it doesn't that would have bothered me as a 15 year old a lot and i wasn't a particularly bad kid but i definitely went places i wouldn't have wanted my parents to know about well, yeah. I, or I would tell my parents I was going to so-and-so's house, but I was really going to such-and-such's house. Uh, didn't want them to know, you know. I mean, my parents are still learning things that I did when I was a kid, <laughs> and they're horrified. Right. <laughs> uh, that's uh, okay, though. I mean. But, you know. Uh, so, anyway, when when Apple first announced the Apple Card, I was somewhat critical. Like, I, I think my quip was more or less, what's next? payday loans at the retail Apple stores. Uh, Wow. Well, I'm still, I'm still, I think this is a very good credit card. I do. I think the cash back system is great. I think that the, the breakdown of categorization of stuff is great. I think the fact that they give you the cash back on a daily basis is fantastic. Like they're not holding that to float the money. Like they're really giving you that cash back about as fast as they can in a very convenient fashion that you can spend, um, you know, use the same way you use your Apple card. Um, so I, as a credit card, uh, it's really hard to criticize it. I, even the, the fact that you can't have a joint account, like I said, I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing because it's so personal. You know, the fact that, that your spending habits and stuff, you know, would you want to be mixed in with your significant other as opposed to telling me how much money I'm blowing on beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I just, I, I think it would be helpful for a lot of people. I think oh. a lot of people would really like that feature. I mean, for me, it doesn't really matter. Um, when I get an Apple card, then it's going to be yeah. my Apple card. And, well, you know, 
You know, one, one reason that it's good to have a joint card, I mean, Amy is, uh, uh, I'll admit, is the bill payer of the family, um, mm. which is why we're, <laughs> thankfully, which is why we're never late paying things like the mortgage, because it's not, <laughs> it's not left to me. Um, and so, for example, the fact that she has one Amex bill to pay as opposed to two is one less thing to take care of every month. Right. I think one of the reasons that's mitigated with Apple Card is that it's so easy to pay, right? Like, I think, like, yeah. you know, you, A, you can pay it at any time. So, like, I, you know, my, I could take my week old card right now and push two buttons and pay off my $87 balance right now. Um, but if I just wait for my statement to end, I'm going to get a notification and I can say pay it and it, you know, you hit up. It, it, it's, it, it, it's the minimal, the least you can possibly, you wouldn't want it to do less, right? You wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want it to pay automatically. I, I, I don't think I'd, I'd like to know here's what my balance was for the month and say, okay, pay it. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like a huge hassle if you and your significant other both have a card that you're now doubling the number of, of bills you have to pay every month because it's so easy. Um, my, you know, my biggest complaint is honestly the interest rates. Uh, and most of the people I know who got an Apple card, including me, got the 13% interest rate, 12.99. But let's yep. face it, that's 13%. That seems to be the lowest interest rate that you can get with Apple card. And it is also a lower interest rate than most credit cards seem to offer today. Um, some people, I think that they say that the interest rates, depending on your credit worthiness, go up to like 24% or something like that. Um, I, I think that's too high. I think the whole industry, and again, even if Apple Card is leading the industry on the interest rates that they're that they're bestowing upon their customers, I I think the whole industry is rotten. I mean, would, well, would of course it is. That's how they make their money. But twenty twenty thirty years ago, like when I was in college and I first got a credit card, the interest rates were like seven percent, eight percent. You know, like. Uh, I realized they the learned whole, they could make more right. from it. <laughs> well, but why can't why not expect Apple to do better, right? I, su I suppose, yeah. You know, and I, I just think that it, it, if the best that they can offer for someone with what they deem to be the highest quality credit worthiness is thirteen percent interest, it's that's that's practical usury, in my opinion. Tim Cook would never borrow money at Apple for 13% interest, you know, like when they do some of these cash back things, you know, it, it, it's funny for a company with so much cash that they've taken on debt, but they've done it because they can take debt at such a low interest rate that it's more valuable than using their cash to pay off the stuff that they want to do. Right. So Apple, well, <coughs> Apple's Apple as a corporation is carrying a surprising amount of debt given how much cash they have, but it's because they took that debt at, you know, like two or 3% interest or something like that. Apple would never take 13% interest. It's, it's, it's outrageous in my opinion. But you know what? The, the Apple is the most, uh, it's the richest company in the world, most powerful company in the world. Maybe um, if you were the richest man in the world, you wouldn't be getting interest at thirteen percent either, right? And I and, and for people with poor credit, I get it. I, I I say if if your credit is poor enough that you want to charge twenty four percent interest, 
I can't believe my phone went off again. I thought I had the one. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with uh, me, Jim? I, I don't know. You would, think I'd, you would think I've done podcasts before. Uh, I, I, I think it's me. I think I'm yeah. going to start you off. Yeah, it's like I got, got like a contact Heineken high. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, R2-D2 freaking out. That's that's the ringtone from my parents. <laughs> nice. Uh if 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 somebody applies for an Apple card and their credit history is such that they want Apple, you know, that Goldman Sachs deems, and I realize that these decisions are made by Goldman, not Apple, but, mm-hmm. and they say, well, you're going to get 20, 25% interest. Tw- number one, 25% interest should be illegal. I honestly, <laughs> I, I, I'm not yeah. exaggerating. I'm not uh, that it's, it's just outrageous. And you're, you're giving these incredibly high genuine usury it should be illegal really it, it's just criminal and i i say this and i know that a lot of people in tech are libertarians and and when i've criticized this publicly on daring fireball some of the response i get very reasonable it is you know it's it's the best sort of uh i disagree with you feedback you know i i, I you know i don't know about your readers but you know when i get i disagree with you feedback for the most part it it's it, it's fantastic i enjoy reading it i, I like to think about it Agreed. The the libertarian angle on this is if you don't like 24% interest, don't sign up for it, right? You know, it's not like they're surprising you. It's not like they're giving you, uh, they're not telling you what the interest rate is and then you find out after you carry a balance. They're telling you <laughs> before, you know, they, you know, you go through the sign-up process and before you finalize and say, yes, give me an Apple card, they tell you, here's your credit limit, X thousand dollars. Here's your interest rate, 13% or 18% or whatever. Hit this button to get the Apple card under these terms or hit cancel and you don't. So you're, right. you know what you're signing up for. But my take on this is that I don't think, I think part of a functioning government in a, in a representative democracy is that the government looks out for the people. And that I don't think it's, it's your duty to be mathematically adept enough to know just how, how troublesome 25% interest can be and how quickly it, it, it can escalate that you can, you know, you can buy something for a couple hundred dollars. And if you decide I'm going to pay this over time, because that's why I got the credit card, uh, you know, which is, you know, part of the reason some people have a credit card is they want to purchase something they don't, you know, purchase a $500 device or may, let's say a thousand dollar iPhone and they don't want to pay for yeah. it all at once. Um, but at something like 24 or 25% interest, you can be making minimum payments and, and you're for life <laughs> and you're never catch up. You're never going to, you're never going to get there. That's how, how high the interest is. I, I, I honestly think that should be criminal. I realize Apple's not out of line on this. I realize Goldman's not out of line with the industry. I realize right. that 13% is actually good for the industry. But I just say the whole industry is rotten. And, and these interest rates, why not lead the way? And that would be a selling point. Why not say that our interest rates go as low as 7% or 6% if you have good credit? And, you know, we'll, we'll be way. And, you know, 
it's a mixed bag because obviously the people who are probably most credit worthy and the people who would qualify for the lowest rate are the people who are most likely to pay their credit card balance every month. Well, and that's how they make money too. They get the people that do leave the balances. And, um, but you know, I, I don't know, I don't know the credit card industry well enough to be able to, to say this as, as fact, but I'm not sure that Apple was really in a position to be able to negotiate the rates as well as as right. what you think right. that they may have been. Because so, they're not the bank Goldman is. Right. So, you know, we could be looking at a situation in in three to five years where where Apple will say, you know what, um, we've topped out the interest rate right. for the Apple card at 15%. Right. Now everybody's rate, uh, will the highest it'll be is right. 15 because they do have that power at that point. I, I hope and that they're going that way. As as far as, as people are concerned, it it bothers me personally that there are so many people in – credit card debt, like tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt and the stress that that must bring them as um, an individual and a family. And, you know, when uh, there are a lot of resources available to people, though, and it's not necessarily, do I wish the credit card companies could be made to, to cap an interest rate? Yeah, of course, absolutely. But, you know, People, if you're putting um, an iPhone on your your credit card because you can't afford and you see no way in the next year that you'll be able to afford to buy it, then I think instead of looking at getting the credit card, you need to look at whether or not you should be getting the phone. Yeah. Not the credit card. Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand that it's easy for me to say that I, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to say that, you know, th- there's, there's two ways to look at this, this whole thing. And, you know, no matter how low or how high the interest rates are for credit cards, some people are still going to get it. You could tell your interest rate is 50%. Right. Okay. Give me the card. Right. But that's I gotta why go I buy think the government should regulate the maximum rate. Yeah. And I think it should be a lot lower than 20 something percent. I really do. Even for people with poor credit. And if the, you know, and, and if the maximum rate were 15% or 16% and a bank said, well, at, at only 16%, it's not, you know, we don't think this, it's worth giving it to this person because they're so risky. We really want the higher rate. Well, then don't give them a credit card, you know? Right. Uh, anyway, that's my take on it. Anyway, it's a good card. I like it. I didn't get the physical card yet. Uh, oh, no. it's supposedly, it's t- it uh, tells me it's coming tomorrow. Uh, so it's after this podcast. Did you well, see the thing where they, they it, people people were freaking out because it <laughs> says it gets stained by leather and, and, <laughs> and denim? So that's what I posted that song right. last week. I think it was Friday. Uh, it's an old metal song called Denim and Leather by, <laughs> by Saxon. I said, this is the new Apple Card theme song. Uh, of course, it has nothing to do with uh, the Apple Card, but Denim and Leather just seemed like a, a great song to, to post. And it is a great song. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I, do you care about that? I don't well, care. what I wrote, you know, and again, we'll see. I'll get the card tomorrow. I guess I'll keep it in my wallet. I mean, I, my wallet is leather, um, as a lot of people's are, <laughs> and I do wear, I do wear blue jeans most of the year. Uh, I suspect, and this is what I wrote. I suspect 
that they're most of my credit cards get scuffed up. I, I went through my wallet when this broke. My first reaction when I saw this story was uh, that maybe Apple screwed up. My first knee-jerk reaction was to just make fun of them and say, well, it's a good thing nobody has leather wallets or wears blue jeans. <laughs> and, but then I thought about it, and I read the actual support document. You know, it's, it's under the category of how to clean your Apple card and, like, what to use and what not to use. Um, and then, you know, and they mentioned this, that it might be stained by leather or denim. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more, and I looked, I took out my wallet and looked at my cards and they're all, they're all scuffed up and scratched, you know, and they say, don't put it in the same pocket as another card. It might get scratched. All my credit cards are scratched for the most yeah. part. Uh, like my, my driver's license is scratched. I mean, none of them, they're in mostly good condition. Um, but they all definitely look used. None of them look like they're in mint condition, with the exception of my Amex, which is actually it's it's also made of metal. I don't know what kind of metal it is, but uh, the platinum Amex is made of metal. It's sort it sort of feels like a weapon, like you could like like throwing star, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but the Amex card, like I told you earlier in the show, was just replaced a couple months ago. So it's you know. The fact that it's made of metal is obviously makes it more durable than a plastic card. Um, but I've only had this card for a couple of months. So, uh, you know, I, I forget. I, I, I'm pretty sure like the like the signature strip on my previous metal Amex card was frayed and worn. You know, like there's there's definitely yeah. wear and tear on it after a, a year or two. Um, I, I don't care. I mean, my credit – of course your credit cards look used. So I really do think that this support document is there for the benefit of the obsessive – the Apple obsessives who want to keep their Apple card pristine mint condition. And okay, you know if what? you want to keep it mint condition, here's what you want to do. It's a credit card. Yeah. Just I mean, I, freaking I just, use it. I, when I saw that and, you know, the whole denim and leather thing, I thought – who cares? Right. Because if Apple didn't post this, right. then people would have put it in their pocket, and then they would have said, "Oh my God, my card! It's yeah. it's uh, uh, you know discolored." Well, you know they posted something. Yes, it could get discolored. Don't care. Everyone's, it's a credit card. Every once in a while, I guess the thing in the back of some people's minds is that every once in a while, although I don't think off the top of my head, I don't think it's happened recently, but every once in a while, Apple comes out with a product. That is too fragile. I mean, the one that really comes to mind was the one generation of iPod Nano circa, it was around 2005 or 2006. Do you remember this? There was an iPod Nano where the the front of it was, you could scratch it by looking at it. <laughs> you remember this? <laughs> I don't know if I do. Oh, I, well, let's, I have to put this in the show notes. I'll find it. But there was a, an iPod Nano generation around 2005 that was so easily scratched that it was, it really made you wonder how the hell it ever shipped because huh. it, it must have, they must not have, it really must not have stress tested it at all. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples. I, I, I guess the the titanium G4 power books, and I guess that's the other thing in people's minds because this card is made of titanium. The first titanium G4 power books, which which were the the first ones that weren't made of plastic, you know, like black plastic, and they switched to the you know what looks like a modern MacBook Pro, still a silver colored metal power book. But it was titanium. It was before they 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 switched to aluminum. Um, 
that they'd flake over time. It was sort of like that titanium was sort of a painted titanium. And the more you used it, it, it showed a lot of wear and tear. Um, and I guess people are worried that this card will be like that, but I don't, I don't think that the card, I think it's a very different sort of titanium. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about, about that at all. Uh, you know, I, I get, I don't know if I'm looking at this, uh, wrong or what, but when I look at this card, I see a credit card, you know, yeah. is it going to be cool? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely cool. But it's still, it's a credit card. You're supposed to use it. It's a credit card. I mean. Yeah, it's supposed to bang uh, around in your wallet. And when you do use it at a place that doesn't have Apple Pay, you're giving it to them and they're swiping it. And, right. You know. I just do not care that much about, I mean, if you want your aluminum or your titanium uh, credit card to be pristine, then frame it. <laughs> and put it on your your counter. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a credit card. Yeah, I've saw some, I saw some people speculate that they made, and I don't think this is true at all. I think that this card, because it's made of titanium, should be actually very durable. It should be very cool. I can't speak to it yet. I don't have it. I do have friends who have it. They think it is a very cool card. Uh, you know, which is the thing. I mean, it's cooler to have a cool card than a lame card. But of course, but still, who cares? Yeah. It's a freaking credit who cares? card. Um. It's interesting to think about where you still use a card. Here's the, the one of the pieces of speculation I saw floating around is that Apple made the card delicate to encourage people to use Apple Pay. And you do get you get more cash back. You get 2% cash back on an Apple Pay payment. And when you use the card itself, you only get 1% cash back. So that is clearly motivation. I mean, there, it, I mean there's no other explanation for it than that they, they would prefer you use Apple Pay than use the card. You get an, a full extra percent cash back. Yeah. Um, it, what's interesting to think about is where you still have to use the card itself. Um, and the two places that come to mind, and, and it's very U.S. specific, are, or do, can you think of the, the, the two places where you have to use a card? Costco? Well, what, no, I don't know about, I don't oh. shop at Costco. Well, restaurants, okay. right? You go to, <laughs> when you go to a, a sit-down restaurant, the bill comes, you have to put your card in the bill, and then the, the right. server takes the card away. Okay. Now, you've been to Europe, right? Yep. In Europe, they come to your table with a little card reader. And, yeah, they do that in Canada and a lot, too. Yeah. So, every, uh, well, uh, yeah. So, I, I didn't know they do it in Canada, too. So, it's pretty mm. much it's pretty much like our uh, uh, systems of measurement uh, in Fahrenheit and <laughs> miles and inches. It's it's a U.S. thing only, and it's you know. And once you think about it, it is weird that you just hand your credit card to a complete stranger and they walk away for five, five minutes yeah. and then come back. Whereas, and you own a new motorcycle or TV. Right. Well, it, it obviously doesn't happen a lot, but it's you know quite possibly how it happened you know to me a couple months ago. I don't know, but in you know most other Western countries, they come to your table with a little handheld reader and. I guess you used to have to insert it. Maybe now you can just wave it at it, you know, and get the NFC type thing. And now you can use Apple Pay to pay. But anyway, most, uh, almost all restaurants here in the U.S., you still have to pay by giving, handing your card over. And then the other one is gas stations. Um, and mm. there definitely are gas stations that take Apple Pay, um, but a lot don't. Maybe most don't. And... Um, talking to, uh, people at Apple about this, uh, they mentioned gas stations and they said that one of the, 
problems with gas stations. Like one of the reasons that Apple Pay has been able to spread as quickly as it has is that at this point, it's hard to get a point of sale system that doesn't take Apple Pay. So like whether it, you know, how, so whether you're a new store or, or counter restaurant or new whatever, and you're getting, you know, well, let's get a point of sale system to buy stuff. There's the, just about anything you can buy takes the NFC payment. So you can just wave your Apple pay at it. Uh, and even existing businesses, you know, they, they eventually turn them over and get new ones. So anybody with a new one, it turns over. Um, and there's some regulations from the credit card companies where they're insisting, you know, that people be, you know, take the ones that take the chip reader for extra security. And if you get the one with the chip reader, which the credit card companies are starting to require, you get the Apple Pay NFC stuff for free because it's the same system. Right. Um, gas stations are different because the card readers are built into the pumps. So it's not... Like you just get a you, the gas station just needs to buy a couple of new credit card readers and now they can take Apple Pay. They would have to replace the actual pumps, which is obviously a much more significant expense. Yeah. And so gas stations actually get exemptions from like the credit card companies, you know, that say, hey, by such and such date, you, ha you know, retailers have to be able to take chip payments and stuff like that. Um, Gas stations have like a special exemption to that in a much longer period of time before they have to do it. So gas stations and uh, and restaurants, restaurants, you need it makes card. sense. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can move on from Apple Pay. Why don't I? Why don't I talk about one of our one of our friendly sponsors? Is um, another. It's a favorite of mine. Fracture. Look. All of us. I don't know anybody who doesn't take and share photos online. Uh, very few of those photos are ever printed, though, and fewer end up on display in your home. They're stuck on your phone. They're stuck on your devices. Focus on the moments that mean the most in your life by turning your favorite digital memories into meaningful photo decor. Fracture prints are made by printing directly on glass, and they come ready to display right out of the box. They have everything you need. If it's a small one, they have everything you need to prop it up on your desk or your mantle, wherever you want to put it. If it's a bigger one that you want to hang, everything you need, including the wall hanger, is included in the box. They're edge to edge. You don't need a frame. There is no frame. It's just a piece of glass with the photo going completely edge to edge. It's a gorgeous look. goes with any interior decor. Uh, and they're all handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. sourced materials. Uh, it's a green company, Fracture. They operate a carbon-neutral factory. Go to Fracture.me for a special discount on your first Fracture order. Don't forget to pick the talk show in their one-question survey after checkout. They're going to ask you, hey, where'd you hear about Fracture? Just remember the talk show. Go to Fracture.me. You get a special discount. Love this company. Love their products. Without question, the single best gift idea for family members that I'm aware of. Load up on them. I know it's only August, but they, they sell out for Christmas. Knock it out. Knock it out. Buy a bunch, get a bunch of photos from your summer vacation or something like that. Save them up. Give them to people for Christmas. Uh, great company. So remember that. Fractor.me. And remember to tell them that you came from here. Did you, uh, did you see uh, German's uh, big uh, fall preview? Rumor Palooza. Uh, 
pretty detailed, you know. It, it's, it's actually even by German standards, I thought surprisingly detailed. Uh, sort of uh, look ahead at what Mark Gurman's sources are saying are coming from Apple this fall. I mean, uh, surprise, surprise, iPhones and new watches in September. Um, but one of the things he said, and I forget where this rumor, this rumor leaked on Twitter from somebody whose name I didn't recognize, but one of those, there's like that weird subculture of Apple and phone leakers who, who exist solely on Twitter. Like they don't even have blogs. They just sort of, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, they post like they get like a picture of the Samsung Galaxy 10 a month before it comes out and they just post a picture on Twitter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, somebody a couple weeks ago uh, just tweeted ambiguously that, uh, hmm, pro iPhones. I don't know if that makes sense, you know, that they're going to call the the new iPhones. The, they're going to use the word pro. Um, and German obviously thinks so, too. That was part of the lead of his. Uh, yeah, he does. Um, so there's a couple of interesting stuff in here to talk about, but, um, what does it say here? Apple incorporated is ready, readying a clutch of new hardware for the coming weeks and months, including quote pro iPhones upgrades to iPads and its largest laptop in years. Um, I've been, so anybody who's over the last few years has been wagering in Las Vegas on my predictions of Apple product names is bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I haven't predicted the name of an Apple product in a long time because I and I've been leaning, you know, endorsing calling the high end app iPhones Pro, whether they're just called iPhone Pro or iPhone something Pro, like iPhone 10 Pro or 11 Pro, um, for years. And every time I bring it up, people say, "Well, what's Pro? You know, there's nothing Pro about an iPhone." Um, uh, blah 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 and so far i've been wrong they they've never used the word pro in an iphone even though they've you know they now have ipad pros uh to go along with macbook pros which they've had uh ever since they switched the name from powerbook to macbook back in 2006 or 7 when they switched from powerpc to intel um and of course the mac pro which we're waiting with bated breath this fall Yes, uh, so they have a pro version of all of those, but they don't have a pro version of the iPhone. And they say, well, there's nothing pro about it. Pro means professional and iPhones are for everyone, even the best ones. Uh, I don't think that's what uh, my my retort to that has been. Sometimes when Apple says pro, they literally mean professional. The Mac Pro is the obvious or iMac Pro as well, right? The Mac Pro and iMac Pro are obviously meant for professionals. The only reason to buy an iMac Pro instead of a regular 5K iMac is if you have genuine professional needs for the truly significant performance differences between... Agreed. Because a regular iMac is a very... I've got one that's uh, four years old, and it yeah. is still as... Uh, I, there's nothing slow on it for me. I don't do anything that... that ever makes the fan come on i don't do anything that ever makes the beach ball come up um so uh you know imac pro is obviously for genuine professionals the mac pro coming later this year i don't know if it's a month i don't know if it's two months i don't know if it'll be december 30th uh obviously meant for 
truly professionals. The Pro Display XDR that starts at $5,000 without a stand. Yeah is truly meant not just for professionals, but for a very narrow swath of professionals. If you get one of those, then I'll just stand behind the screen and hold it for you while you work. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, you know what? People can make some. That might be a good way for like neighborhood kids to make money. You know, oh, right. if you want to save, just stand there. You want to save money on a thousand dollar stand? You just pay pay a neighborhood kid to hold your monitor in front of you. Yeah. Um, but I would say the MacBook Pros have, you know, certainly are used by professionals, absolutely, uh, but are also used by people who just want uh, a MacBook Pro as their regular laptop. And for example. If one of the things you want in a laptop is a 15-inch display as opposed to a 13-inch display, guess what? You're getting a MacBook Pro, whether you, yep. whether you have professional needs or not. But if you look at that, though, uh, I think Apple's reasoning behind all of this is solid. If if you're a student or you're uh, somebody that flies a lot, you're an executive, you just need to get some work done on the road, any of those other computers will, will suit your needs Perfectly, not just screen size, power wise, everything else. Uh, those computers are perfectly fine. They they fit everything that you need. Um, a MacBook Pro, you know, that's what I use on a daily basis, and I love the Pro. I I love it because I don't really have to carry it around. I you know even when I do, I throw up my suitcase and and go, and it's not that big of a deal. But you know, yeah, you're right. If you want a a 15-inch screen, then you're going for a pro model. Sometimes what Apple means by pro is deluxe or better yeah. or yeah. best, and they just don't, you know, they just like the word pro for its connotations to mean that. And I would say the iPad Pro is the perfect example of that, where what's the difference between the just plain iPad or now that they've brought the name back, the iPad Air and the iPad Pro? Now, there are some people who truly use an iPad in a professional way. Um, you know, there, there's artists, you know, who do it for illustration. I told this story on my show a couple of weeks ago where um, earlier in July, my family, we were down in Florida, you know, doing the theme park stuff. And we were in Universal. And, you know, those, uh, you know, you go to a theme park and they have the caricature artists. You can sit down and pay, yeah. you know, 20 bucks or whatever. And they'll, they'll make a funny drawing of you. Um, and they had a you know a shaded uh, pavilion where there were three or four artists doing those, and three of them were doing it the old-fashioned way on a piece of paper with colored pencils or crayons or whatever. And the fourth was using a 13-inch iPad Pro. Wow! Uh, and I you know I, I you know me I didn't sit to get my caricature taken. That's you know not my style. But I did ask the guy who was walking by, and I just said, "Hey, how do you like using this for that?" And he just turned to me. And he said, "I love it." I mean, and, you know, and he was, I would say he was like 60 years old. He's, and, and seemed like maybe he'd been doing it, you know, he'd been doing this for a long time. Uh, wasn't like a young kid. I, and I, 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 you know, and I took a quick glance at the person he was drawing. He was actually very talented. It was a very, very accurate and humorous, uh, flattering caricature. Um, that's a professional use, right? That's totally pro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, this is a guy who, you know, for eight hours a day sits there and, and draws people's pictures for money. Um, I know, you know, there's a bunch, they don't even tell you about it anymore. They used to like make a big deal out of it, but I, you know, every, every, every week, the New Yorker has an illustrated cover, 
that's part yes. of the gimmick of the New Yorker. I know a lot of their regular stable of artists do their work on the iPad Pro. You could be a professional who doesn't even use the pencil, though. You could be a professional who does, you know, uh, you know, uh, a lot of our friends in, the, in this whole racket are, you know, full time on the iPad, you know. Yes. Uh, you know, Federico, everything. Federico is obviously using his iPad in a a, a truly professional sense. Uh, but my wife has an iPad Pro. She has the big one, and she absolutely loves it. Has sworn that she will. She couldn't believe. At first, she really was reluctant, and she was like, "This is too big. This is too big." And now she's like, "I can never go back." It's like, like once in a while, she'll pick up my iPad by accident. She'd be like, "What is this tiny thing?" <laughs> she doesn't use it in a professional sense. You know, it's just email, email, iMessage, web browsing, games. Right. You know, watching movies and TV shows. She just likes it. She just likes the bigger screen. She likes the edge to edge. You know, I love that. Yeah. So you can use it, you know, that's the ones where they mean deluxe. You can use it in a professional sense, but there's very good reasons that somebody would buy an iPad Pro, even though they're never going to use it in a professional sense at all. And I think that that same use of the word pro would apply to the high end iPhones. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I think that's very um, uh, a very good way to to look at how they're going to do things. Uh, so I guess, and so it's interesting because one of the things that seldom leaks, seldom if ever leaks, the two, two like uh, the holiest of holies and secretest of secrets at Apple are product, <laughs> product names and prices because they don't have to be pre keynote event. They don't really have to be the circle of people who knows what they are doesn't have to expand. Whereas I, I, stuff like yeah. the fact that, you know, everybody seemingly, quote unquote, knows that they're switching to a bigger camera thing on the back with three cameras instead of two on the high end phones. But because that comes out of the supply chain and the supply chain is tens of thousands of people. Uh, but prices and names tend not to leak because that group is like they know how to keep their mouth shut. <laughs> I think that they should really include you and I in that group. In the future, you know. Uh, so, so he doesn't know the names. He's using the word pro in quotes, and he doesn't speculate as to what they're actually going to call them. Like, is it going to be the iPhone 11 Pro and the iPhone 11 Pro Max? Um, which is probably my guess. If I had to guess, my guess, and I have no, I, I want to reiterate here, I have no little birdies or information on this. And I think my, like I said five minutes ago, my track record on iPhone names <laughs> <laughs> will back that up <laughs> that I don't have any kind of inside information on this. But if I were to wager on what the names were going to be, I would guess that the iPhone XR successor, which apparently they're going to make, and the big change is going to be that it's going to go from one camera to two cameras like today's 10s's right uh and be available in you know similar colors uh german says they're going to add green which i didn't even remember they didn't have <laughs> i thought they did have green I, I they they have enough colors where i thought green was one of them um i would guess they're just going to call that phone the iphone 11 that's my guess it'll just be that's the iphone 11 it's the standard iphone 11 and for most people, if you want a brand new iPhone, that's the iPhone you should get. I think that the 10S, 
the 5.8 inch screen, the smaller of the high end ones, which will get, you know, this new square three camera array would be the iPhone 11 pro. And that the big 6.5 gargantuan phone will be the iPhone 11 pro max, which sounds a bit like a mouthful because now you've got four things, iPhone 11 pro max and on twitter people debating this you know have pointed that out that that's that's just too much but i don't i don't think it really matters because it seems to me in apple's advertisements like for the iphone 10s where there's two sizes they just advertise iphone 10s they just say iphone 10s you know shot on iphone 10s or something like that and yeah. they show iphone 10s and <clears throat> when they show the product photography in a commercial or a billboard you can't really tell if it's the 6.5 inch or the 5.8 because they kind of look the same you know you can't see you don't know the scale and they'll just say that and then they'll use the max so that when you go in the store you'll know, well, do I want the smaller one or do I want the bigger one, which is called Max? And I don't think people are confused by that at all, and I don't think it's much of a mouthful. I think the billboards and, like, the commercials will just say iPhone 11 Pro. What do you like? Uh, what size? Oh, I like the smaller one, the 5.8. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I like the bigger one. I, you know, I could see it, you know, and, and you know, as my eyesight, as my close eyesight, you know, gets worse i can certainly see you know having you know being able to blow up the text a little bit and still see more stuff i mean i'm on the fence amy again switched last year she she on you know it wasn't like i said hey you should get the big one and i want to you know performing an experiment on her see if she likes it she wanted it uh and again just like when she got the bigger ipad she hated it for a couple of days and now she's totally sold on it and feels like it's no big deal can't believe it she thought it was a big deal but she carries her phone in her purse not in a pocket for the most part i i carry my phone in my pocket obviously yeah. my pockets would be bigger but right. um i i just you know the i don't mind the bigger size i actually like the bigger size, but, um, uh, you know, my eyes for close up yeah. are, are, are getting bad and have been for years. So I, I wear, uh, readers and I need those when I, I have the text, even though I zoomed up the display a little bit, um, it, it still helps to have yeah. it. I mean, I don't want to jack the font up all the way so that I'm reading, yeah. you know, one word a line either. Yeah. Um, so the bigger size to me is is the way to go, but everybody has their own preference, you know? Yeah. Um, so the other thing, as soon as this naming discussion came up on Twitter, the other obvious, as a, you know, not just going to, and God almighty, please don't let them go Roman numeral 11. Shoot. I'm so, <laughs> oh my God. I Please just go 1-1. One, one. I really I can't imagine that they would go X1. I can't, I never um, even thought that they would do that. But the I, other, the other, uh, the other obvious way that they could go is the way that all the other pro products are, right? It's not the iPad 3 Pro. It's not the iPad 4 Pro. It's not the MacBook, probably 17 Pro at this point. Right. It's just MacBook Pro, iPad Pro. They could just call it iPhone Pro and iPhone yep. Pro Max. Now, I don't think they will do that, and I almost think they can't do that. In the abstract... That would be cleaner, and it would be nicer, and it would it would be both. It's less of a mouthful. 
it would look better, I think, you know, and these numbers are starting to get unwieldy. They're big numbers. And I think just calling it iPhone Pro would be very elegant. Uh, and again, and it would be more in line with all of their other products where it's just category name than the word Pro. So in the abstract, that would be better. But in practice, the way they sell iPhones, I don't think it works. I think they need to keep numbering them and adding letters to distinguish which one is the newest because like when they come out with new iPad Pros, they stop selling the old iPad Pros. So after yes. the new ones come out, you go in and say, I want an iPad Pro, you're getting the new one. And you don't need, they don't have the old ones at a lesser price point. The lesser price point is occupied by entirely different products. The iPad Air, the just plain iPad, the iPad Mini. Yeah. With the iPhone, they continued to sell year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old phones. And they continue to manufacture them for years to come. And I think what some people don't realize, and I didn't, I'm not even sure when I became fully aware of this, but um, for example, last year when the iPhone XS and XR debuted in September, they took the iPhone X from the year before out of the lineup of the ones that, that they put up on the slide behind Phil Schiller. They mm -hmm. took them out of Apple stores. They took them off Apple.com. So now on Apple.com, you, you can buy an iPhone XS, you can buy a XR, or you can buy an iPhone 8. Um, but they still make iPhone 10s, regular iPhone 10s. They still are in manufacture, and you can still buy them brand new. But they Apple itself doesn't buy them. They're in the quote-unquote channel. So you can go certain carriers, phone carriers around the world, still sell them brand new. Best Buy, for example, still sells them. You can go to bestbuy.com and buy a brand new iPhone 10. And that's not an iPhone 10 that has been sitting around for 11 months unsold. They still make them. They just don't sell them through for for clarity of product line purposes. Apple itself minimizes it. But the channel has has phones that, you know, that even Apple itself doesn't sell. And there needs to be, they, I, I don't think it works. Like it would obviously work for the first year it, this year if they just called the brand new phones I, iPhone Pro because they're the only ones called iPhone Pro. But then come next year, if the replacements are still called iPhone Pro, now you've got a year old iPhone Pro being sold alongside a new iPhone Pro and there's no distinction. Yeah. And it doesn't work. That doesn't Does work. Does not work. Now, in support documents, like when you go to Apple.com and you want to find out about, uh, you know, getting uh, technical support for your MacBook, um, they'll say MacBook Pro in parentheses 2015. Right. And you can, you know, I guess you get the same thing when you go to the system profiler on your Mac to find out exactly what model you have. So they'll use the, the model year for technical support purposes to specify exactly which model you have and tell you the details of, you know, other, other identifying details of what, you know, what CPU it has, et cetera. But they're not going to sell phones like that. They're not going to put billboards up that say, I, I, iPhone pro 2019. <laughs> no, I, and uh, you know, the way you, you explained it earlier is absolutely perfect because if you think of an iPad pro, you have an iPad pro. Oh, is it this year's? No, it's last year's. Yeah. Well, 
you know, then there's your, but it's still an iPad Pro. Right. I, I And I like that naming convention. Yeah. Uh, you know, Apple's naming has been very simple. And I, I'm a big fan of it. You know, I, I want to get an iPhone Max. Well, here's an iPhone Max. You know, do you need a specific year? Yep. No, I, I, you're going to a store. I want an iPhone Max. Love it. Um, well, they, I think they need to continue that. iPhone Pro Max. iPhone Pro Max. <laughs> Although it's starting to sound like some kind of vitamin supplement, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> Say it real fast 10 times. Yeah. Uh, I, somebody else suggested going back to Plus, but Plus, I, I thought uh, Phil Schiller explained that that they switched from Plus to Max because it's only bigger. Somebody disputes that and says they rewatched that segment of the preview, you know. But when they had the Plus phones, the Plus phones were more than just bigger. They had better cameras, slightly better. They were mostly the same, like the iPhone 8 versus 8 Plus and the 7 versus 7 Plus. Um. They were mostly the same, but the cameras were always slightly better in the plus ones where like they had image stabilization before the smaller ones did. And then the next year, the smaller ones got image stabilization for still photos, but then the plus got image stabilization for video. You know, they were always a little step ahead. Whereas ever since last year with the iPhone XS and XS Max, they are literally spec for spec comparable except that the max is bigger it has a bigger display and because it's bigger it also does have a bigger battery and does get a little bit of extra battery life um but in terms of camera performance they are literally the exact same camera modules well and let's not forget that last year they also did something that that blew my mind that i thought was one of the best things they had done in a long time and that's include um the same chip the same processor in all three phones which yeah. is what made the the iPhone XR such an incredible value. Yes, it yeah. had the one camera, yeah. but um, my girlfriend's sister wrote, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago and said, uh, I know that there's probably a new iPhone coming out in um, in the fall, but mine is actually dead and I yeah. can't wait. So I need yeah. to buy one. Um, what do you think of the iPhone Max? And I said, go buy it. Yeah, iPhone Max is because uh, you know she's not a techie. Yeah. She uh, she likes to take pictures, yeah, but she she just needs something that's going to last and something that's good value. So yeah, go buy the the iPhone XR. It yeah. is no, you amazing. said Max. You meant the you oh, meant I'm the sorry. 10R. You meant the ten. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the 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 tenor. Well, that's uh, why. That's... I, and then I even said XR. Yeah. God, now your your thing is <laughs> rubbing off on me here. I might need a beer soon. <laughs> well, that's why I like the idea of just calling the new the 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 new tenor. Just call that iPhone eleven, and then call the other two at the higher price points with the extra cameras. The iPhone eleven Pros. Yeah. I like calling the the tenor replacement just plain iPhone 11 because I truly believe that's the that's the iPhone most people should buy. I really do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and part of that is the cost, you know, it's it's 250ish to more more dollars less, which is significant. On a percentage basis it's like 25% less. It's it's more than 25. It's like a third less compared to the max size. You get a big screen. It's a it is not OLED, but it is a great display. This whole, you know, and, and in in some ways, I honestly feel that it's better than the OLED. I actually think that I know it doesn't have 
the the super high contrast ratio so it doesn't show dark stuff as well like if you're watching a dark movie or something like that but there's other things that i feel like uh an LCD screen is actually better and doesn't have, you know, they have to do a lot of stuff to get that OLED to not have like a blue tint or something like that. Uh, I think it's a fantastic screen. I think the fact that it's 2X retina instead of 3X is a total non-issue because of the way OLED works at a sub-pixel level. 3X isn't that much better than 2X with the weird sub-pixel layout of OLED compared to uh, an LCD. It's a great display. And most people, typical people I know, never zoom on their camera. So having yeah. just that one camera lens, it's it's the one that they want to use anyway. Like so Amy yeah. has the 10S Max and she doesn't take any pictures at 2X. She takes no. all of her pictures. She does take a lot of pictures. <laughs> she takes them all at 1X. And I I, I don't take any of no. those either. Yeah, and and supposedly the rumor is that this iPhone 11 the replacement for the 10R is going to have the second camera anyway now. It just won't have the third extra wide angle lens. I, I I really think just calling it the iPhone 11 and saying this is the standard model for most people and the pro is if you want to spend more, I, I think that is perfect branding. And I think I, it really, I agree. And I really any way to emphasize to somebody who's unsure because they see that these other ones are more expensive and their gut is telling them, I don't think I need anything. I don't care if it's stainless steel instead of aluminum. I don't see any difference in the display. I don't care if the, uh, the black bezel around the edge to edge display is a millimeter or two bigger on this one than that one. Uh, I, I don't, I, you know, anybody with that gut feeling of, I just don't see why this phone is worth $300 more than this one. But in the back of my head, I'm worried that I'm buying the junior iPhone or something like that. Right. Any kind of branding by just calling it the iPhone 11 to, to put those people at ease and say, yeah, this is the standard iPhone for most people. I think that's fantastic branding and really so, would give people confidence that, yeah, I feel like this is the phone I want. And yeah, I'm going to get it. So it kind of feels like last year, if you take last year's phone, okay, the the iPhone XS is the standard model. Then we have the uh, iPhone XS Max. Right. Um, or the XS. Why, why can I keep I don't getting know, that? Jim. I don't uh, know. You better keep, get on. Okay. Better the, get a beer. The, the, I'm going to have to soon. I, I, stupid. I drank a coffee before we started. No, you know. <laughs> um, the the iPhone XX, XS Max Oh, but then we have this other one that's lower. Yeah, and you're saying that that the way that um, you're doing it would get rid of that. Like, yeah, here here is the standard edition. Right. By the way, we have two that are higher. We don't have any that are lower than right. this. Yeah, this is it. I, I, I agree. Standard, I think that'd be good. Standard and Pro, I think, is the way to go. In the same way with the MacBook lineup, where the MacBook Air. Isn't it? It's just sort of like that's the standard. I mean, that's just, when they reintroduced the MacBook Air last October. That was really more or less the way they pitched it: as this is the MacBook for most people. This is the most beloved MacBook we've ever made. It's the best-selling model. It is the one that people. This is the shape and the form factor that people think of when they think of a MacBook. This is the MacBook Air. You know, uh, I really do think that using the word Pro in that way to emphasize this is extra. Yes, we love it. We support it. We we stand behind the higher price point, and some of our customers really want the extra features. They're going to love this extra wide-angle lens. Uh, 
you know, they're not saying don't buy it, but they're saying this is, you know, this is the standard one. This is the deluxe one. And I think that's perfect branding. So I really hope and think maybe this year I've got it right. iPhone 11 Pro and just iPhone 11. I'm with you. Uh, what else do we got here? So this the, the, the Pro models are, you know, everybody, this is leaked months and months ago, maybe even a year ago, that they're going to switch to a, a big square thing on the back, which will have a third camera lens and maybe some other sensors for depth or something like that to fill in the square. Um, that's cool. I can't wait to see it. I feel like the fact that we know that that's coming with this extra wide angle lens doesn't tell us the story because I feel like there's the, it's, it's how it combines with the software and what the software is going to do. Like when you're shooting with the regular default lens, what is the iPhone going to do with that extra information from that wide angle lens at the same time? I feel like I, I, I just I, I would be shocked if they're not using that to do something in that field of computational photography uh, to make just even when you're not shooting at the wide angle that they're going to use the information from the wide angle lens to um, to make that photo better in the same way that when you shoot portrait mode, you're using the two X lens, but they use information from the one X lens to help get that depth. Well, and, and according to what German said, they're going to use like three photos. Right. And, and try and, and bring everything together. Right. And, you know, that's it, – it's I think a lot of what we expect from Apple in a few ways with the with the technology for uh, machine learning. Yeah. And, and bringing in, you know, these extra cameras. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't care about the – how big the camera is. On the back again. That's like a dirty credit card. Just yeah, don't care. Um, but I, I, I use a camera on my iPhone very similar to how Amy uses hers. I mean, I take up my my iPhone and I put it up and I snap a picture, and that's it. I, I I'm basically done. The better tools that Apple gives me to be able to take that picture the better my pictures are going to be. Right. Well, and the better, the more stuff that they do computationally automatically at the moment you press right. the shutter and that you don't yes. have to go into edit mode. You don't have to do anything. You, it just, it just happens. The only thing I ever want to use edit mode for is to crop. Yeah. Well, you know, you know uh, other than that, I really don't need to, to do anything right. because Apple's pictures, the way that the cameras go right now, yeah. take a great picture. I can go and take a picture of a, you know, a bee on a flower or something, and it looks just gorgeous or a sunset when I'm, yeah. when we're in Mexico or whatever it is. And they, they just look great. Yeah. And that's the way that I think that that's what Apple needs to deliver to me. I understand yeah. that there are a lot of other things that I can do. I just don't want to have to do them. Yeah. There's an interesting tidbit in here too, that, uh, that says that they're going to have quote, significantly upgraded video recording capabilities, getting them closer to professional video cameras. And that's yeah. all it says. Um, other than that, you're going to be able to retouch and apply effects and, and colors and reframe and crop video uh, and stuff like that. But I also think I very strongly suspect that, that, that with this A13 system on a chip, you know, cause that's the number they're up to. So big, you know, no secret there that they're going to call it the A13, but those chips are getting so much faster, especially 
not just the CPUs, but like the GPU capabilities that they need for this on the fly stuff. Like one of the most amazing things about last year's cameras was that when you're shooting, uh, at like 30 frames per second, the camera, you know, video, the camera is still taking 60 frames per second and using the every other frame that they're not even using, you know, they're still writing 30 frames to disc, <laughs> but they're using, they're shooting 60 and using the other frames to like reduce the noise in the, yeah. and they're do- all live, not like, oh, you shoot the video and then in the background, you know, the iPhone it processes, processes the video. <laughs> it's all live. You hit the, hit the shutter, shoot your video. It's doing it every single frame. Uh, I, I can't help but think that they are definitely going to do stuff along those lines using the extra lens on the camera to get more information, you know, that they'll right. be shooting 120 frames per second. They'll shoot 60 with the one lens and 60 with the other and combine the data to get, um, to get you know, a, a better low light capabilities for video and stuff like that. I mean, because that's one thing that you can really tell with the iPhone is like when you're in like a restaurant or someplace dark and and it's like, I wonder if I can get a picture here. And you you turn on your iPhone camera and you're shooting a still and say, like, yeah, I can totally get a picture. This is amazing. But if you switch to video, it like goes black and it's like yeah. you can hardly see anything. So but getting, see that, getting video that... to get low light is really tough optically. But I feel like they can. The way they're going to get there is computationally. Low light has been my thing for for many years. Being able to get good low light pictures yeah. at concerts, yeah, totally. You know, and 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 to be able to, um, you know, take down the or I don't know, uh, process the lights coming from the stage so that you can actually get a decent picture with yeah. all that foreground being right. so black and having those uh, stage lights be so bright. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, that's a that's a real a yeah. real problem. And, you know, I don't blame Apple that, you know, you can't always get a great shot from that because yeah. damn, that's gotta be one of the toughest yeah. uh pictures to try and take. Uh anyway, I I, I don't think I, I this is the easiest prediction in the world to make, but I <laughs> would I strongly suspect that the camera section of the September Apple event is going to be an, a huge chunk of the iPhone event. I would think. Uh, just like it has been the last few years. And, and if anything, growing bigger and bigger. I mean, if you, they're never going to change the name of the, the product. It's going to be the iPhone until they stop making the damn things. But right. if you think about what it is, if you're going to name one thing that of all the hundreds of things an iPhone can do, the better name for it at this point would be the iCamera. The camera, you know, people use the camera way more than they talk on the friggin' phone. Oh, yeah. Or at least they're happier to do it. Uh, what else is here? So one of the cool features, uh, again, a lot of this isn't original to Garmin. I've seen all this stuff floating around, but he's, you know, assembled it all in one place, is uh, wireless charging for the wireless charging AirPods. So in other yes. words, you could put your iPhone down and then put your AirPod, if you have the wireless charging AirPod case, put it on the back and it'll charge. That's a cool Love feature. That. Samsung Love has that. something yeah. like that where it'll actually charge other phones. Mm. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'll point that out before somebody else points it out that Samsung has something like that. Yes. Uh, but just charging the AirPods alone would be pretty cool. And it shouldn't take much power. It shouldn't really deplete your phone much because the AirPods seem to, char- you, know, you know, don't really take much of a charge to get, to get powered up. Yeah, and it shouldn't take. I mean, it's not going to be as fast as plugging it into a, a charger, but it should be good you, enough to, yeah. to get a charge. In. Like if you're out and about and you get that sad little bloop bloop, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
And and you got like five minutes to go on a podcast. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Oof. no. Uh, more shatter resistant, supposedly. I don't know what you know the deal is with that, but I guess some kind of upgrade to the glass. Here's, a, here's the thing that I'm excited about is it says some, at least some of the colors. So he obviously doesn't know if it's all of them or whatever, but that some of them are going to have a matte finish on the back as opposed to the existing glossy finish. I would love that. I would love that. My least favorite thing about the iPhone 10 and 10s two years into this is that they feel the same on both sides. Yeah. And I have long been somebody who carries my iPhones naked without a case. I've used a case this year more with the iPhone 10s than I have with all other iPhones combined. Um, I and, still don't and, use a case. I, I don't have one on now. I've taken it off. But while like vacationing and like, uh, at, uh, like I said, going to theme parks and stuff like that uh, with my hands sweaty in the Florida heat and stuff like that uh, and just wanting, you know, and, and with shorts, you know, they, you know, shorts have floppier pockets than jeans. You know, in jeans, I always carry, you know, for obvious reasons, I carry it with the screen pointing in at my thigh, you know, for protection's sake. Like if something does hit my phone, I'd rather have the back crack than the front crack. Yep. Um, so I just can take a guess. But, you know, there are just times when it's on the table or whatever and you pick it up and you're not quite sure. And I have the black one, of course, because, you know, that's what I always buy. So you can't really tell, you know, it, it would be nice if there was no way to be confused which side was up. And the camera bump alone isn't isn't really enough. So a matte finish, both to distinguish by feel which side is which, and uh, just to make it less slippery, would be a well, very welcome change to me. Yeah, I just think the matte finish is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I, you know, on on top of all of the stuff that that you mentioned, I just think it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what they come up with. If if of all the iPhones I've ever bought, and I've bought one every year, the only one I regret that I feel like I bought the wrong color was the the jet black iPhone 7. And I always buy black when I'm offered. So it's the, the decision matrix has always been <laughs> very simple. Get the black one. Except with the iPhone 7, there were two. There was jet black and matte black. And so for the first time ever, I had to make a decision. And I went jet black because I guess I thought it looked cooler. But that jet black one, even though it wasn't glass, it was aluminum, sort of had the problems that... Um, it wasn't slippery, in my opinion, but it still was hard to sort of tell by feel. And in hindsight, I really kind of wish I got the matte one. I, I, I think the matte is, was a cooler... I got too... I was too enamored with the uh, the shininess. <laughs> like a crow. Right. Whereas I think it fits... <laughs> I, I think matte finish fits my style better. I will say this. I've I've long been... Someone who carries my iPhone naked without a case, uh, I just like the way it feels better. I like that it's as thin as possible. I like being able to touch the buttons directly. But yes. I, I've used a case with my iPhone XS this year more than I've used a case with all other iPhones combined. And it's specifically for the combination of grippiness and feel. The only time I've ever used a case um, with an iPhone is when they uh, – these were older iPhones – uh, when battery was more of an issue than it is now, and I had one of those um, battery charging cases. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I hear you. That's yeah. the only time that I ever had a case, and that was more out of necessity than anything else. You know, they would almost get through the day, mm-hmm. but not quite. I, I just, you know, for me, the battery case was just a no-brainer. 
Uh, one thing I, I sometimes forget is I forget it, or not that I forget, but it just doesn't occur to me is I forget that you can manually put your phone into low power mode, i.e. Yeah. yellow battery mode. You know, it it automatically kicks in when you get to twenty percent, but that mode really works. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was somewhere where I had, I had to wait for a very long time, uh, like a doctor's office type situation, um, and you know, typical big office building where you don't get good cell reception inside. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and and I it was like first thing of the day, so I started with you know near a hundred percent on the iPhone and. It wasn't too long, and I noticed I was already down to eighty percent or seventy-eight percent or something like that. And the phone felt really warm, you know, which is a bad sign in terms of battery life. And I knew I had a lot longer to wait. And didn't bring a charger, didn't bring a battery pack. And I thought, oh, I'll put it in low power mode. Put it in low power mode. Went right back to wasting all of my time on Twitter and doing all of the exact <laughs> all of the exact same things. That had just used up 20% of my battery, you know, in a snap of a finger. And I used it and used it and used it. And it was still at like, uh, you know, 74%. Like it, the, the difference is dramatic. I don't know how much stuff it turns off or whatever. But like actually using it, you don't really seem to notice it. Like I, I, I know that there are people out there who just keep their phone in low power mode all day. Like they just keep it on like from the start of the day. Um so there's my tip of the day is don't forget about low power mode. Don't don't wait till it gets to 20%. If you're ever in a situation where you feel like your battery's draining too fast, put it in low power mode. It really, really does save it. And the other thing I noticed that day waiting is that my phone cooled off too, even though I didn't stop using it. Something happens. Low, low power mode tip of the day. Yeah. Uh, what else is on German's rumor list? Uh, Mac Pro's? Yeah, he doesn't know anything about them, though. I mean, mm. uh, we know they're coming. I mean, and they've already announced it. I mean, the only the only thing really left to wonder about with the Mac Pros is, A, when is it going to ship? B, what are the higher-end configs going to cost? All they've told us is the starting point. And then yeah. the big one to me is, are they going to come out with an Apple-branded, reasonably-priced display? And which I guess, no. I guess, you know, now that LG has updated their 5K display, that's probably Apple's answer for people who just want a quote unquote normal, <laughs> normal display that comes with a stand. But I would, it would make my day, and I know it would make an awful lot of people happy if, in addition to the six thousand, seven thousand dollar Pro Display XDR, if they just came out with a plain old Pro Display that just had that iMac panel in a display that looks like the Pro Display. Yeah. Um, iPad. Uh, they say there's new ones coming out. It doesn't really have a lot of details. No, and same with Apple Watch, AirPods, and and HomePod. Well, Although HomePod seems weird, though. Well, Be- that's interesting. What do you? Why do you think it's weird? Well, that they, they would drop it to two tweeters, um, down from seven in the current HomePod. Well, a I wonder if that if that's true. Is it a replacement HomePod or is it a new lower priced HomePod? Yeah, I think so. Right? I they keep, it, yeah. like, it would make a lot of sense to me to go from six tweeters. Is it six tweeters or seven tweeters? Seven. Seven. It would be make a lot of sense if they if they come out with a HomePod with only two, if that's a $129 or $149 HomePod or, right. or 
even better, you know, a $99 HomePod. That'd be great, you know. The lower the price they can get it to get more people to get one. And if it still sounds really good for what it is, that'd be great. But I can't see how, no, no matter how good their audio engineers are, I cannot see how a two-tweeter HomePod could sound as good as, as the 7. It, 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 the, there's no way that it can. Yeah. I, I don't think that that a two-tweeter home... Now, there is a lot of things that these guys can do in software to make um, make the, the speakers and make everything sound good. Right. Uh, you know, between tweeters and woofers and speakers and the drivers and everything else, there's a lot they can do to make these sound good. So I'm not saying that they won't sound good. I just They're not going to sound as good. Yeah. Um, I love my HomePod. I use my HomePod all the time just because it sounds so damn good. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I... Do you have it paired? Only, do you have it paired with another one? No, or did you just have I one? wish I did. I wish I get... I should get another one. You I really would love should. to have them paired. I know that it's a lot of money to get two, um, but we've got two in the kitchen and the it, it is more than twice as good. It is it is truly remarkable. And I know that the the the... the financial outlay to get to is a pretty significant thing that's not like if you're doing it like we are in the kitchen it's not like your home entertainment system and all of a sudden you're spending you know five or six hundred bucks to get two of these things but it really does sound more than twice as good it is truly uh, rather remarkable and it really really i don't have the best ears uh for stuff like that, but it it really hides the source. It just feels like the room is full of music, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're coming from two spots. It's just full of music. It's anyway, Marco and I, a couple weeks ago on this show, were speculating and wondering, you know, is HomePod something Apple might even drop, you know, the way they got out of the Wi-Fi router business with airports uh, just because it maybe hasn't taken off and they want to concentrate on what to hit. The fact that there's even, you know, that German is saying that they're working on a new one uh, would certainly alleviate that worry. And I really hope they don't because I love the product. I really think it's great. I think the potential is there. Obviously, uh, you know, they need to keep banging on Siri to make Siri better and better. But the the audio quality of the HomePod is is uh, really it's exceptional. Yeah, and it's just so hard to convey. The only way you can you know, the only way you can tell is to listen to it. You know. Yep. And the the HomePod is see, when you're talking about should they or will they at some point drop the HomePod? I think a lot of that depends on where they see the hub. Yeah. You know, is the hub something like the the Apple TV or is the hub going to be Siri and the HomePod and the way that HomePod talks to the house? And, you know, I to me, that's where a lot of this is is going to end up coming from. No. I for for sound, the HomePod is absolutely brilliant. And the fact that, you know, you can talk to it and give Siri, uh, very simple commands to control your music and to, you know, skip songs or raise or lower the volume or to play something is, is great. Yeah. Um, you know, I was doing some work around the, the house on the weekend and just said, you know, Siri, play some classic rock and, you know, put the volume up by 10%. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. Um, Hey, let's take a break, and I'll thank our third and final sponsor of the show, our good friends at Squarespace. Look, whether you're starting a new business, changing careers, launching a new creative project, or 
You already have a business. You already have a career. You already have a creative project. And the website you already have is a piece of crap or it's outdated. You need something new. Go to Squarespace. Squarespace gives people a powerful and beautiful online platform from which to make their next move known to the world. Everything you need to do to have a website, you can do at Squarespace. From registering a domain name to picking from a wide, wide, deep, varied portfolio of professionally designed templates to start with to customizing from those templates to make your website your own, brand it your own way, to putting things on like a blog or hosting a podcast or hosting a uh, portfolio of your work and updating the blog and updating the podcast. All of it, you can go through Squarespace. It's a great platform. You do it all right there in the website. You don't need to know a lick of code. You don't need to know the difference between HTML. Even if you don't know the difference between HTML and CSS, Squarespace you know, makes it so you don't have to worry about it. If you do, if you do know what HTML and CSS and JavaScript are and you know how to use them, you can get in there and work with the code if you want to. It's like having a car. You can open the hood. You can get in there. But really, if you just want to turn the ignition and drive, you can do that. You never have to open the hood of the car. It's that simple, that easy to use. It's a great company. They've got great customer service. Uh, it's just a great product. And so anytime you need a website, somebody you know, someone in your family, a friend comes to you because they know you're a nerd. They know you listen to podcasts like the talk show. And they're like, hey, I need a website. Send them to Squarespace. That's the easiest way to do it. They'll thank you for it. They could do it all themselves. So here's what you do. Start with a free trial. Go to squarespace.com slash talk show. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to head to squarespace.com slash talk show and use the offer code talk show. No the, just plain old talk show. And you will get 10% off your first purchase. You can use that to purchase an entire year of Squarespace service. Save 10%. It's like getting a month or two free. Go to squarespace.com slash talk show. My thanks to them for their continuing support of the show. By the way, if you do sign up for a year, you get a free domain name registration. Uh, what else is on our agenda? I think that's it for the German report, right? That's it for I the major so. stuff. Uh, if I was going to get a free domain name, I think I'd take daringfireball.net. Yeah, yeah. Well, it might be taken. It might be. Uh, last thing I have here, I got a couple of questions from listener Mike Flegel. I didn't ask for a Q&A episode, but he gave me one unsolicited. Uh, speculating i mean we're getting close i i suspect do you think at the september event now we know that we're going to get iphones i mean that's mm -hmm. just a given right and we're probably going to get the new apple watch because i believe in the last ever since apple watch has gotten on a fall schedule the watches come out at the phone event uh so i would be very surprised uh i would be surprised if there were not new apple watches uh and if there are new Apple Watches, which I expect, I would expect them to debut at this September event. Um, do you think they'll use the September event to unveil the rest of their services initiative? In other yes. words, tell us, tell us what uh, Apple Arcade is going to cost. Tell us what uh, these various things that they have told us about at that services event a couple of months ago, but didn't tell us what they're going to cost. Here's what I expect in, in September. iPhone for, for hardware. Uh, anything else, including watch, even though it makes perfect sense, everything else for hardware for me is um, extra. That's, that's just gravy hardware. 
um, watch, HomePod, AirPods, Mac. So the only thing that I really expect is phone. And that's an obvious one. The other thing that I expect besides iOS, macOS, you know, the final versions, they're going to announce when they're going to be available, um, is all of the information, including pricing and availability of all of their services. I'm, they have so many services, I think I'm forgetting one. So there's uh, Apple Arcade, Apple, which Apple Arcade, ru- Apple rumor, rumor, rumor uh, broken by uh, hacker extraordinaire Guy, Guy Rambo, who writes at 9to5Mac. Somehow he, Apple employees are testing uh, the Arcade service, mm-hmm. and somehow one of them uh, uh, gave him pre-release access, and then he started poking at the APIs. And uh, figured from one of the APIs that at least at the moment, Apple was planning to charge four ninety nine a month for Apple Arcade. That um, sounds right to me. A lot of people were expecting nine ninety nine. Four ninety nine is, and again, you know, never be surprised when Apple charges more than you were hoping for for a product, <laughs> right? Yeah, but uh, I'll be honest. Uh, four ninety nine sounds right to me. Well, because these services are a a quantity game right like and again apple yeah. doesn't play by other companies rules so netflix of course is always and hulu you know are always trying to get more people to sign up and yes netflix has raised their rate you know a couple of bucks here a couple of bucks there you know over the years the the cost of a regular standard netflix subscription has gone up but for the most part they're primarily concerned not on charging a huge premium for one family to have a Netflix subscription, but to get as many people as possible signed up. They're really going for that. And I just think that's just the way that the services thing works. So $4.99 for Apple Arcade feels uh, like – I feel like it's either going to be $4.99 or $9.99. And $4.99 to me is going to get people to cheer. And they'll be like, woo. And you know, and they'll be like, "I'll definitely sign it up." If I was making a bet, I'd go for four ninety nine. Yeah, I, it's and I really and when that leaked, I wrote and I I, I really think, especially at four ninety nine, that that in addition to just being a popular service that I think an awful lot of people will sign up for, because boy oh boy, an awful lot of people play games on, especially on iOS devices. Um, yeah, you know, do. and 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 if and if this helps gaming on the Mac and Apple TV, that's as you just said, that's gravy in my opinion. If it if it if it makes gaming and puts more popular games on the Mac, and if it can somehow reinvigorate gaming on Apple TV, which really seems like a wasted opportunity given how powerful the Apple TV and especially the Apple TV 4K are for a. a casual to you know it's they're obviously not you know gaming pcs but they're really pretty powerful you know yeah they are compared to something you know even more compared to something successful like the uh, nintendo switch um and it just you know hasn't taken off in my opinion because they they don't ship with a controller and because um they insist on uh, up to this point that games be playable without a controller. And there's just certain types of games where you just cannot use the stupid remote control that comes with Apple TV to play the game. You just, there's <laughs> right, just not yeah. enough. Um, if they could get on top of that and turn Apple TV into a switch like platform 
for games, that's just gravy. But obviously, the 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 bread and butter of Apple Arcade is the iOS. It's iPad and, and iPhone, and people already spend a four. You know, they already make a lot of money on that, getting their thirty percent or fifteen percent on the recurring stuff. Um, I think that at four ninety nine, and if they can get an awful a lot of exclusive games, because my understanding of the way Arcade works is going to work is that the games in Apple Arcade are going to be exclusive to arcade right so it's not like this is a way to get some of your favorite games from the app store that you normally would have to buy or do free to play they're lining up developers to create games exclusive to apple arcade that you won't be able to get just anywhere by, just by pay yeah you won't be able to get them on android uh you won't be able to get them on other platforms and you you know won't be able to just buy it for five dollars one time in the app store it's it's you you subscribe to arcade to get these games i think that not only do i think it could be very popular and from what i've been told from some people in the know they are uh, this is an a team effort at apple's part to get top game developers uh on board and that yes. there there's and and no expense spared that they are when they say that they're putting money it giving money to developers not giving but you know that the deals they're working out involve developers they're supporting, they're supporting developers with l- large budgets to make these games or to finish these games and to do things that are expensive like um uh I forget how many languages I mean I don't think this is officially known but it, it like all the games in arcade are going to have, uh, I don't know, a dozen languages supported around the world, including right to left languages, left to right. That stuff costs a lot of money. And some games, yeah. you know, it's more than just the start screen where there's, you know, you know, well, translate the word start and high score <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of games where there's, you know. It, it, even like character acting, right? You're going to have to hire 12 sets of actors to do the voices or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're really pumping. But they want it done. Yeah, they want it done right. This is, And I really think not only could it be popular, but I think it could really disrupt the iOS gaming industry, which it, it right now financially is dominated by what I call f- pay-to-win games, like Candy Crush. And I know that the you know it's pay to play or something like that is the official term, but I call them pay to win. I sort of I think I stole it from Ben Thompson. But the gist is games with in-app purchases where it doesn't matter if you're even good at the game, you're going to have to pay a couple of bucks every at least every couple of days to keep going to 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 be competitive. Right. And there's, you know, there's the battle games that are like that. There's the Candy Crush type games. There's all sorts of games. And I know that they've de-emphasized the top grossing stuff in the app store and they just have top free and that, you know, and they it's sort of an edit, more of an editorial, you know, like here's what we at the app store think, you know, are, are some of the best new games. But if they had the top grossing, the top when and when they last did, they're all dominated by these, free or pay to win games which in my opinion is is another ethically sketchy area where there's sort of a casino mindset you know they're they're really not that different psychologically from like a slot machine 
where they're they're designed to keep you going and designed to keep <laughs> you know designed to keep you pumping three dollars here four dollars there for a bag of gems or whatever the whatever the hell you're buying um the fact that apple arcade is going to have none of that that that's all forbidden that they you just you pay five bucks a month hopefully or ten bucks a month whatever the cost is and you get the whole game all of the game and you know, if extra levels come out, you know, new levels or new worlds or whatever the game has four months from now, you just get them. That could really, really change the behavior of people and what they pay. Because if you're already paying 20 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month on in-app purchases for the games you do play, and you could switch to paying five bucks a month and never even have the nagging guilt in your head like, ah, I'm kind of pissing away money on this, you know. Uh, and the games occupy, or there's plenty of games to choose from, and it occupies all of the free time that you want to be playing games on your devices. Well, why would you ever pay the play to the play to win games again? Yeah, I agree. I really I, and think these, this could change things really significantly. These games are supposed to be, I the these are top notch graphics, uh, top notch working, you know, yeah. uh, taking care of, or taking advantage of all the technologies yeah. and the processor and everything else. Yeah. Like you can't get any better yeah. than what these games are. Uh, so what else is coming? There's of course, Apple TV plus, which mm-hmm. is with their original content, um, which is the biggest question mark, right? Because, it it, you know, Netflix is the, the king of the, mountain hulu is fairly well established hbo is coming out with their thing i forget what it's called but you can also pay to get regular hbo as a you know with the you know without having a cable subscription and you get all of the movies that hbo has and all of the hbo shows that have ever come out you know you can go all the way back to the sopranos and watch all the sopranos they've got these big big libraries and of course the big one that's coming out soon is disney plus which is also coming out with you know apparently a huge library of content because Disney has this giant archive of family movies and TV shows etc and Apple TV plus is coming with like 10 shows it's not a mountainous library of content it is you know a very hand selected uh you know and as the years go on Five, ten years from now, you know, like so like the the one I'm I'm really looking forward to this one called The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, because I just love uh, shows about shows. My one of my all time favorite shows of all time is the Larry Sanders show, you know, the the show about a talk show. So I just love the idea of a show about a show. I think there's there's just something about that that to me makes for good television. I love the cast. I love Jennifer Aniston. I love Reese Witherspoon. Steve Carell is a terrific actor. Um, And I saw the trailer. It looks great. I'm really looking forward to that. So 10 years from now, you know, you'll still be able to watch, you know, like when the morning show, let's say it's a hit and they have three or four great seasons of the morning show and everybody says, wow, Apple really knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, there's the uh, uh, what's the space show called? The one about the the fictional uh, oh something about mankind. Yeah, for all mankind. For all mankind. Uh, which again looks like a fantastic show. That's the one they previewed a couple months ago. I think at WWDC. Yeah, it was at WWDC, and it's about a hypothetical world where the Russians had beaten us to the moon and had kept going, and the U.S. and Russia spent this instead of sort of 
backing away from the space race in the 70s, had spent the 70s and 80s continuing at the same extraordinary clip uh, that they did in the 60s, right? I mean, we in one decade, we went from never having put a man into orbit to putting freaking men on the moon. Yep. Like, a, you know, so the whole premise of the show is what if we'd kept up that pace? Uh, fantastic idea for a what if show. Ten years from now, all those shows will be in the Apple TV Plus library. You could go back and watch them if you never did. But at the get-go, in fall of 2019, all they've got are the new shows they have. How much can you charge for that? If if Netflix is 10 bucks and you get 1,000 shows, and if Disney Plus is seven ninety nine and you get 10,000 Disney movies, how the hell can they charge 10 bucks a month for 10 shows? I don't think that they can. Right. Uh, now, what? We we know that um, there are probably what about fifteen shows in production, yeah, um, somewhere like along the lines of yeah. you know being made or finished. But still, that's not a lot of shows. Now we have to to also consider. Yeah, they're going to come out with with those uh, fifteen shows over the next uh, few months, but they're still continuing. I mean. In the time that we knew that there was 15 shows in the last couple of months, they probably have another uh, 10 that they've added to that list that yeah. we don't know about. So there's continuous shows, but still that those numbers don't add up to a thousand. So, you know, you I think you have to price it uh, accordingly. But, it, you know, the, the worry there for them, I think, is if they put a price on it and it's too low, then how do you raise the price later? Yeah. You know, that's that's got to be a, a concern. Or do you dip, try and come out with a fair price is five dollars. Right. Uh, like uh, gaming arcade. Is that uh, something that is OK? You know, so right. five bucks for that. Five, you know, they're charging what nine ninety nine for Apple Music or 15 for uh, a family, a family. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't seem and there's millions of songs and you can basically play anything in the world you want. Right. Well, you know, you can't do that with, with Apple TV plus. Right. So one of my, what ifs ever since they announced that they're getting into original TV content. And again, it doesn't really fit with the idea that Apple is in the services business to make money, which they keep reiterating over and over. They are, and you know, they, they have the, the financial results to prove it, you know, where as they report quarterly results, the services segment keeps going up. Um, you know, they're in it for money. Um, but I, in the back of my mind, I've, I just can't help but think that one of the things that has to be an idea is what if, what if you get Apple TV plus with Apple music, like Apple right. music is the one that makes sense to bundle that you would just, if you have Apple music, you get Apple TV plus. And I know that their original content to date has been sort of baby steps, you know, that they have the, the car carpool karaoke and they had that, uh, goofy, uh, show where you were pitching apps to yeah. uh to <laughs> goofy show <laughs> well, yeah. tell, you know tell 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 uh gwyneth paltrow and gary vaynerchuk what your app idea is uh yeah. you know that it didn't really set the world on fire but those shows i thought that i I don't I think that those things they gave away with Apple Music. Now that's very different than the billion or 6 billion dollars that they're supposedly spending on original content now. Right. But if they bundled it with Apple Music it's not like they're giving it away free. You're still paying 10 or 15 bucks a month, you know, and it's, you know, it would, it on day one, there's already millions and millions of people who already have Apple music. So they'd already have 
a huge audience that could start watching these shows and start telling people, hey, this morning show is fantastic. It's a great show. You should get Apple Music and watch this show. Uh, I, I don't but know. That, I don't that's expect no that. new income, though. Yeah, I don't. Well, it do, it is new income if they get more people to sign up for Apple Music. Right. But with millions and millions of people, right. what, if, what if they charged, you know, $4 right. or $5 for... Or you get a discount right. if you're Apple Music. I right. I don't know. I, I I love the idea of including right. it, but when you look at um, how many new people is that going to bring over to yeah. Apple Music, and is that going to be enough of a bump? Don't forget what uh, what Tim said in um, the last earnings either about services, where you know in the next couple of years they expect huge growth in services. Yeah. Uh, financial and money-wise, they expect huge growth in services. So, I mean, they've obviously got something that they're eyeing that is going to to generate that kind of, of billions of dollars. Yeah. I, I really expect them to answer this at the September event because I, th- so I, I, I think the September event, if I had to rank them by importance, I would say the September iPhone event is the most important, most watched, most paid attention to Apple event of the year, just because Absolutely. of the iPhone. WWDC is number two. Yep. And then number three is the fall October event that they sometimes don't even have because they don't have anything to announce. Although right. I think they're getting a little bit more regular about that. And I definitely expect it this year with these rumors of a new 16-inch MacBook Pro. And I certainly expect that's when new iPad Pros and iPads would come out. They're not going to put the iPads – I don't think they would ever put the iPads in the same event as the iPhone because they just don't want to distract. Whereas, to me, the watch <laughs> doesn't distract from iPhone. No, no. You know. Um, and, and so this is their premier event. They are – dead serious about this original content and the Apple Arcade. So I really think that that's when they're going to announce it. Um, The other thing along the lines of my, wouldn't it be nice idea if they just bundled it with the Apple music for no extra money, which I agree is unlikely because it's, you know, (laughs) they want the money. Um, (laughs) But I just really, I don't feel like they have to, but I really feel like they almost have to have some kind of bundle where you get it all. Yes. And instead of signing up for the arcade and for Apple music and for Apple TV plus and, and for Apple news, am I missing one that they charge for channels channels? I think they kind of have to do separately just because of the nature of channels. Channels is a little different. So let's ignore the channels for now. But if for 25 bucks a month, you could get music, TV Plus original shows and Apple Arcade and Apple News and it's all shared with your family. 25 bucks a month or 20 bu- maybe 20, I don't know, 20 25 bucks a month. I'd do 25. Uh, man, that's appealing. And then, you know, then even if TV Plus is 10 bucks a month, even though they only have like 10 shows at the beginning. And if you all you want is TV Plus, it's 10 bucks a month. Well, don't get that. Just get the $25 bundle and you get the music and you get the arcade and you get the news all together. And you're, you know, if you added it all up and you bought them separately, maybe it would be like $35 or something like that. So instead right. of paying 35, you can pay 25. I, they didn't mention anything about a bundle at the services event, but you know, well, they didn't mention anything really about a, uh, pricing of or, anything, or other, anything other than news because news was actually coming out soon. So yeah. they told us what news cost. I forget what news costs. What is news cost? Is it 10 bucks a month? 
Oh, geez, I forget too. I have it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> no idea what we, it costs. We probably should look. Yeah. See, they're counting on people like us. I don't know how much it costs. I just buy it. <laughs> and well, we get 3% <laughs> cash back, Jim. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, let's see here. Apple News. Uh, uh, it's 10 bucks a month. Yeah. Okay. So if that's 10 bucks a month and the TV is 10 bucks a month, now you're at 20. We know Apple Music is 10 or 15, right? Yeah. Depending on if you have family sharing. Now, all the other stuff other than music, they've already promised will include family sharing by default. Music is the one that's different right now where there's two tiers, single and family. Um, so that's, let's just say TV's 10, news is 10, you're at 20. You're at least at 30 with music if you don't have family sharing. You're at 35 if you get family sharing. And then arcade is five. You're at 40 bucks if you bought them all separately, right? And you're getting nickel. You feel like you're getting nickel and dime because now you've signed up for four different things. 40 bucks for all of them separately. 25 bucks and you just get it. Call it Apple Plus or something. Apple Plus and you get it all. That to me is the... That's and, and, and to me, it solves their problem of we only have 10 original shows because you're not paying just for the shows. You're paying for yeah. uh, 5 million songs in Apple Music, and you're paying for all of these original arcade games, and you're paying for uh, a news subscription that maybe you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But now you can read all your news without uh, you know, getting bothered uh, by all sorts of ugly ads and stuff. Apple Plus Max Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I think I nailed it, John. Yeah, that's my guess. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds good. I would do that. My guess as as to the Apple event is uh, it opens up. Uh, I guess uh, Jeff, uh, uh, what's his name? CFO, COO, Jeff uh, Williams. Jeff Williams. Well, uh, Tim Cook comes out. Uh, invites Jeff Williams on stage. He'll tell us about the Apple Watch series. What are we up to? Five. Uh, tell us all about the new stuff. Uh, and then Tim will come back out. Uh, call out Phil Schiller. Tell us about new iPhones. I've, I suspect that this year they'll do iPhone 11 first, the XR 10R replacement. Now you got me saying XR, Jim. I I don't know why I did that today. Yeah. Then, then the iPhone... Uh, you know, 10s replacements, the iPhone 11 Pro and Pro Max, and a big segment on how awesome the camera is and the extra video, blah blah blah. And then, you know, an hour and 15 minutes into it, after you know, watch and phone, then boom, here's the, here's the full story on services. Yep. And man, if they pull it all, I, I, I and the music is funny because they're at the liberty. Not Liberty, but they've got to negotiate with the big record labels, right? Because what do people really want to listen to on Apple Music? They want to listen to hit music, right? They want to right. listen to the new Taylor Swift. So the fact that they have to charge 15 instead of 10 to get family sharing, I'm sure is part of, you know, I, I think Apple would probably rather just have $10 and you get family sharing, but I'm sure that it's some kind of licensing thing. Um, everything else, though, is really under Apple's control. Now, obviously, the news stuff, you know, they have to, you know, to get the Wall Street Journal, they got to get the Wall Street Journal's agreement. But the the news publications are not in a position of strength that the music labels are in, right? The news industry is struggling. The TV stuff with their original content, Apple owns that. And the arcade stuff, 
is all original stuff made for Apple Arcade. Right. So putting it together in a bundle, the only real wild card to me is whether they can include the music, right? If they can get the rights from the record labels to do it. And maybe the simple answer to that is they, you know, you get a $25 Apple Plus subscription and they still give the $10 to the, you know, to the Apple Music, to the record labels as though it's a $10 subscription. I think they would have to, but that right. I think that they can control that as long as they uh, keep the um, uh, paying for the Apple Music licensing. Yeah, yeah. but know, I um, and and how you they know, bundle all, it probably doesn't matter to to the music companies. I, I really hope that they pull that off. I think it could be. A, I think it could be. You know, it's mm-hmm. such a lame phrase, win win win. But I really think it could be good for everybody involved, where. It's lots of money for Apple from services, which they want because, A, they want the money, and, B, they want the narrative for Wall Street that we're growing the services segment of the industry. Um, I think more importantly for me and you and for people listening to this show, I think it could be a great deal for Apple customers in terms of getting a lot of bang for their buck and getting a lot of cool stuff, cool games, great music, cool new TV shows. Uh, you know, and Apple News for whatever that's worth. Uh, and I think it's good for the people involved. I think that Apple Arcade, from what I've heard, I think this is it, it's a great. Uh, I think it's great financially for the game developers, and I think it allows and it really a. I think it's good money, and I think it's funding them to to do good work. But I think it really alleviates their consciences that they're making games that aren't bilking people out of you know, money like a slot machine. And instead they're just giving them the best game experience they can make as opposed to, you know, design the game entirely to be fun instead of designing the game to both be fun, but also addictive and make money on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Just make good quality games. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, you know, who else could pull this off? Right. This, uh, the other thing is that Apple does its best stuff when it's only, you know, and, you know, Tim Cook loves to say it, but only Apple. Right. But who else could pull off a bundle like this? No, I, I don't disagree with you there. Yeah. Another thing, just as a side effect before we sign off a little, not a side effect, a side note is, uh, remember the goofy story last year? That said that Tim Cook was sending notes to the TV yes. people with, oh, be nicer. You know, he's watching yeah. the early Don't versions. Don't be so of, mean. Don't be so mean. <laughs> and that Apple was meddling. There was a story by Trip Mickle, who, who writes for the Wall Street Journal. Um, and Eddie Q, I don't know if you saw this, a couple of weeks ago, I was on vacation at the time, but there was a, he did an art, I forget if it was Esquire or GQ. I always get him confused. But Eddie Q did an interview with, I think, G, GQ. And he was asked about that, and he said that's complete nonsense. We don't, you know, we all the our only input in this is hiring the best people we can find to make shows, and then we trust them to do their work. Uh, we'd be idiots, you know. We don't know how to make TV shows. We'd be idiots to be micromanaging that. Um, and the thing that's interesting, oh, so the skeptic might say, well, of course Eddie Q is going to say that because it made Apple look bad. But I think the thing that's interesting about it is that. Nobody since has reported anything along those lines. And Hollywood is is a it's goss- a, <laughs> it's a gossipy, gossipy town, right? It is uh, 
it is a they don't even call them leaks right i no. mean it's just it's just understood that like variety knows like about movies that are coming out and who's going to star in them and how much they're getting paid it's it, they don't even call them leaks or rumors that's just how hollywood works yeah. word would get around and it would have gotten around by now and there'd be a lot more stories there was only one story that said that there hasn't been any since and then the other thing too is if that was the word on the street in hollywood there's no way that these top-notch creative people would be signing more and more deals with Apple. Like it would, they would True. just be like, "Why the hell am I going to sign with Apple? I'll just go to Netflix where they'll leave me alone, or I'll go to HBO and they'll leave me alone and let me make cool stuff." So I think I, I really think that's one of those stories. It's not important like that big hack story from Bloomberg last year that never got followed up and never had any corroboration and really as time you know looked like bullshit a day after it came out and now yep. 11 months later looks like it looks like a sure thing that it was bullshit because no other publication corroborated it and and Bloomberg itself never added a a, a word to corroborate it. I think that story about Apple executives and Tim Cook in particular meddling with the creatives making the original content was a big pile of shit. Yeah, it certainly sounds it. And I'm glad. I'm glad that it was. I mean... Yeah, because that would be bad news. (laughs) It would be. It would be. I mean, but, you know, one thing about all of this that you said, why would creatives continue to sign up to work with Apple? Right. Um, I mean, yeah, there's money involved, but... These people are, you know, they, they have, like to have some respect for their their craft. Right. Steven Spielberg. So, well, they have options. Steven Spielberg has options. Yeah. <laughs> you know what Ron I mean? Ron Howard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> options. <laughs> if Ron Howard calls, you know, Netflix and, you know, I, they answer the phone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, would you mind if I made a show? Yeah. yeah would you be, be interested in it? Cool they, news. They drive the uh, you know the armored car right down to his house and just unload the money right yeah, there. Where, where do you want us to drop the cash off in your garage? Do you want us to put it right in your bank account? Where where does uh, the cash go? Anyway, you know. well, I think that's a show, Jim. It is uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. You make me laugh. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad, and it's always good to be here with you. I mean, we. We just get into to so much, yeah. and it's so much fun. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Uh, I can't believe I have to say this because I'm sure everybody knows, but your website, of course, The Loop is at loopinsight.com. Daily updates from you and, and your stable of colleagues like Dave Mark. Uh, uh, a must-read every day. Put it in your Net Newswire subscriptions, uh, and you're good to go to tie it back. Loop around. See, that, that's what I call bringing the show full circle. <laughs> You're good. That was good. Yeah. You know what? Put it in your net newswire and see if the icon looks right. <laughs> oh, no. I got to go fix that. Yeah. Go fix it before the show comes out. I got I to find somebody that knows how to make icons to uh, to do that. Uh, and thanks to our sponsors. We have uh, Squarespace, where you can go to build a website. Fracture, where you can get your own photos printed directly on glass, and it's beautiful. And Casper where uh, you can get a brand new mattress, luxury mattress at a very, very, very attractive price. Uh, My thanks to them. Jim, thanks.